Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where we watch a forgotten superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten forever, or out and about, for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? My name's Arnaldo, I'm with... Berto. That's my friend. Berto, what... T- first of all, what day is it, and what movie are we watching? <laughs> Recording day, or the... <laughs> No, it's like the big Release event. No like the, no, like the big event. Oh, oh it's Spider Monday. It's Spider Monday. <laughs> it took me all day to realize that today was already like a semi-holiday. It's Cyber Monday. Right. And I'm like, are they just trying to piggyback off Cyber Monday and be like, it's Spider Monday, I y'all. think they are. Pretty much. <laughs> well, yeah, it's Spider Monday. Uh, we have our Spider-Man tickets. Well, you don't you, yet. Y'all have your Spider-Man tickets. Mine are very much <laughs> up in the air. And we are talking about a Spider-Man movie. So Correct. It's basically Spider Season. For yeah. all intents and purposes. Yeah, and fuck Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you more than me, you've been watching... Didn't you just watch all three Raimi films? Uh, I watched one and two. I have not watched three yet. So this is Amazing Spider-Man 2, 2014, directed by Mark Webb. We just did Amazing Spider-Man 1. Also directed by Mark Webb. Yeah, no pun intended, Mark Webb. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously starring Andrew Garfield. And they're often forgotten about. We said this last week. These are kind of the most forgotten of the, like, all the Spider-Man movies. It's kind of like, like a like a black sheep. Yeah, it's the least amount of buzz, but these movies were a hot, these, it was a hot topic, <laughs> like, seven years ago in this movie At, came at the out. time, yeah. So there's going to be, uh, like, little time markers in the description, We're so you can jump around segments if you like. Basically, we're going to start with our initial expectations. No, we're not. We're going to do it with the background, right? Yes. I gotta, I gotta that's re- our new thing. That's our new thing. We're going to do that first. Dude, all right, so we're going to get into a little bit of the background of the movie. We're going to go through our initial expectations, basically how we felt about the movie when we saw it the first time and going in today. Then we're going to get into the plot of the film. We're going to analyze it to the best of our abilities. Before we get into Keep or Cancel, it's a fun segment where we talk about the stars of the movie and we decide if we're going to keep them or cancel them. This week, Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. Uh, real name is, uh, we'll get there. No spoilers. Jameson Foxworth. <laughs> it's it's not that interesting. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, we're going to decide if we're going to put this in the Phantom Zone or not. To be forgotten, right? Right. Skip around if you if you want. And last but not least, we are on Twitch. We record all these episodes on Twitch. It's not the nice polished version that you hear if you've been, you know, listening to all these episodes back to back to back, like our good <laughs> listener here who is on our chat. Hey, you're going to get a fully different experience because we're going to stop. We're going to take breaks. We're going to talk about the beers that we're drinking. Uh, We're going to chit-chat with you all in the chat. We're going to stutter a little bit. We're going to fuck up. Yeah, yeah, We mess up quite a bit, and all that gets cut out. If you want to come hang out with us, you want to be a part of the podcast, twitch.tv slash filmsfrompz. It's Monday night. We do mostly Monday nights. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's get into the background of some of these characters, Birdo. What do you know about Gwen Stacy? Uh, it was like Spider. She was Spider Man's like first love. So, nineteen sixty five, Amazing Spider Man number thirty one. Under Steve Ditko, she was kind of the boring hot girl. Like she was just pretty. Yeah. That's it. You know, like what they did with MJ in the Raimi movies. She was just the she, girl next door. Yeah, because in those Raimi movies, again, we're not going to get into those for a while. Those Raimi movies treat MJ. As not as, like, spunky as she is in the comics no, at all. No, not at all. She's, she's kind of stupid in them. <laughs> she's very kind of plain MJ, right? Whereas... Plain J and MJ. I feel like these movies actually made Gwen Stacy very much, like, involved with what's going on in the plot. She's spunky. She's smart. She's a smart ass, too. Yeah. 
So I think both characters are kind of like, and the movies are kind of like, a bit of both, right? Yeah. They're kind of misaligned. Yeah. A few years later, MJ is introduced, and she became kind of the much more popular character. Fans were drawn more into Mary Jane, and the two were supposed to have like a Betty and Veronica kind of love triangle yeah. vibe going on. Because it's supposed to be Riverdale at superheroes, or yeah. Archie Comics at Ar- superheroes, yeah, not Riverdale, right. the dark TV show. But something that's funny about Gwen Stacy is that she constantly thought Peter was a coward. Like, that was <laughs> a common thing in, in those comics because every time danger was afoot, you know, he, there goes Peter Parker running away. He disappears and then Spider-Man <laughs> And then Spider-Man shows up. shows up. She's like, you're a wimp, basically. Why should I like you when hunky Flash Thompson over there? Yeah, the dreamboat Flash Thompson. Yeah. And that was kind of another thing is that, like, she sort of had a thing for Flash Thompson. And a lot of that also was, like... Peter's insecurities. He always thought that she was into Flash Thompson. So basically Gwen Stacy for a lot of her run was just kind of boring. They started introducing different elements to kind of liven her up like her dad. Captain Stacy. Captain Stacy, who figures out that Spider-Man or Peter Parker is Spider-Man and on his deathbed tells Spider-Man to take care of Gwen. Not leave her alone <laughs> like the last movie, but they're, pr- they're kind of not far off, especially in the context of that film. Yeah, basically his dying wish is like, make sure she's safe. Yeah. He was like, you know, take care of her because she really loves you and then just like dies. But I mean, I do like how that last movie interpreted it it, and made it more like, you can't be with my daughter because you're going to put her in danger. Yep. You know? So basically, uh, writers Jerry Conway and John Romita Sr., who's the the inker, but again, Marvel method. So he had a lot of play in (laughs) writing these comics also. They wanted to kill her off. And the story goes that they got approval from Stan Lee while he wasn't paying attention. He was about to, like, leave for a business trip. (laughs) And he was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. As he's gone, he sees that they just killed Gwen Stacy. And he was like, what did you guys do? Comes back and he is pissed off. But they're like, you said we could do this. But Gwen Stacy, a a lot of the characteristics of Gwen Stacy, along with Sue Storm, are based on Stan Lee's wife. Okay. uh, Joan, I think it is. Who's, like, this beautiful blonde girl. That was, like, his, like, prototypical, like, the type that he likes. Yeah. Right? And so he was more drawn to Gwen Stacy than any of these other writers were, basically. Okay. So he was upset that she was... Yeah. (laughs) And this marks... Yeah, right. (laughs) And this marks a big deal for Marvel Comics and all comics. A lot of people consider this the start of the Bronze Age of comics because a major character was killed. And it also actually became a very, like... um important part of spider-man like lore yeah it this is the thing that enforces the like the duality dilemma on spider-man the most that he has to have a secret identity so that he can protect the ones that he loves yeah because he can't get close to people because that puts those people in danger which is a theme that spider-man has like ran with ever since they killed off gwen stacy yeah every movie has done it Right. Um, and I think it's super interesting because uh, the new movies, there's not too much secret identity stuff in the MCU. Right. But basically the only person with a secret identity is Peter Parker. Yeah. And it makes sense because he's also the only one that's still like a kid. He wants like that normal life still. Yeah. Right. Doesn't really seem to be working out too great for him. No. I mean, there's obviously the premise of this <laughs> next movie, No Way Home, is that like Everyone knows my secret identity. My life is ruined now, so... Let me try to fix it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Can we go back, please? (laughs) They ended up finding ways to bring Gwen Stacy back. She was brought back first as a clone, who then fucks off real quick. (laughs) Yeah. She's just kind of like, hey, 
look at me, I'm a clone, and then just leaves. Because she's like, I'm not the real Gwen Stacy, so like, I don't yeah. actually love you. They did another thing weird with her where she apparently had Norman Osborn's kid. Did you see that? Yeah, isn't that one of the things that people like to forget about, though? <laughs> people like to forget about it. Um, I think even the writers like to forget about it. Mm. It was like a weird thing. No, no, seriously, that's a 40-year age gap. That's yeah, not comfortable. It, it happened, but we pretend it didn't. <laughs> that's just a, that's a retcon. <laughs> Uh, and then we also obviously have Spider-Gwen. Yes. So that's from a different universe, right? Is it Ultimate yes. or from an even different it's universe? an even different universe. Gotcha. Yeah. In her universe, Peter Parker turns into the lizard and gets killed. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, that Spider-Gwen is really popular, though. Yes. And I think the, that Spider-Verse movie helped out a lot with that. Because she yeah. was a oh, character she was already before popular that. before that. I mean, I remember yeah. like at cons, you'd see... I learned who Spider-Gwen was by seeing so many like cosplays that I had to be like, who the fuck is this character? Her costume's cool. I think that might be a big part of it, too. Yeah. And it's like, there are a lot of great female characters in like comic books that you could cosplay, but most of them are like hyper-sexualized. Yes. And Gwen just looks like a badass, you yeah. know, and a cool hoodie. <laughs> and she's kind of like a punk girl, too. So, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Electro, introduced in 1964, Amazing Spider-Man number nine. He's an electricity guy. You get it, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> His original origin is like he was like working on a power line and then uh -huh. there was like a freak lightning accident. And that's how he got his powers. Huh. Very simple as most things were. Right. He's known for that lightning bolt mask. Like yeah. a five star. I think in some iterations of him, he also has like a scar on his face. That's like in the shape of oh, like yeah. lightning, lightning. Yeah, which yeah. might oh, be why he wears yeah. a mask, actually. The ultimate universe, though, is bald and blue, and that's what this is based off of. Yes. And it's probably a nod to Dr. Manhattan. Yep. Like, and there was probably. a lot of uh, nods to Dr. Manhattan in this movie, I felt like, too. Well. Like the way he would like the, appear. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely one of them. And we're going to get to that because even, I mean, the movie had already come out, too. Before the movie. Yeah. That's one of the most famous tiles, squares. Oh, yeah boxes art art <laughs> that's some of the most famous art from that book is like dr manhattan like materializing panel. yeah panel thank you <laughs> box yeah square, box. there's art. a word for it green goblin introduced in 1964 amazing spider-man number 14 you get the idea there's just a lot of like villains of the week yeah you know and like the but first a lot 20 of these... villains are just like the famous ones yeah because there's a lot of early villains that you just never hear about mm -hmm. like stilt man that Stiltman movie is coming, man. We saw a bit of it in Daredevil. <laughs> and Big Wheel. Yeah, I, no, I don't know that one. <laughs> There's a lot of dumb villains, but um, Green Goblin, though, is like almost like Spider-Man's Joker. Yeah, for sure. He Even is, down to like his mannerisms. Yeah, he is kind of that opposite character um, in a lot of ways. I, yeah, yeah. Norman Osborn, most of the time, is actually like four or five characters that take up the mantle of Green Goblin, and then like another four or five that take up the mantle of the Hobgoblin. That's a big thing in Marvel, though. A lot of people will take up like yeah. mantles. Well, the Hobgoblin is interesting because it's like an homage to the Green Goblin. Yeah. Like they're unrelated like for Green the most Goblin part. Green Goblin fanboy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a cosplayer. Um, <laughs> but Harry specifically takes up the mantle in Amazing Spider-Man number 136. So that is probably many years later. Yeah. Wow. I wrote down fun fact and then I put nothing after it. Let me try to remember what the fun what fact was. What was the fun was. fact about the Green Goblin? Uh, oh, okay. I remember now. Fun fact. Harry dates all the women that Peter likes. 
And that's something I feel like I should have known and I did not know. Does that make Harry a piece of shit? He's a, not a good friend. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, you're interested in her? Well, I'm going to make the move. Yeah. That's kind of the theme, you know, yeah. is that Harry, or uh, I almost said Toby and Tom, Peter. <laughs> uh, is that Peter Parker kind of, he's like second coolest. Yeah. Well, he's not cool. But you know what I'm saying? He's like the second to but Harry out of the two cool, friends. he is cool, though, because he's Spider-Man. He just doesn't want people to know exactly. that. There's that high school dilemma. I'm the coolest kid, but nobody can know it. He's definitely the smartest kid, at it's, least in the comics. And he yeah. seems to think everybody around him is an idiot. He dates Liz Allen, Mary Jane, and Gwen Stacy. <laughs> so, geez. The man named John. <laughs> um, he's saying uh, Norman Osborn also became the Iron Patriot in an alternate universe. Yes. That is true. He also becomes the leader of the Dark Avengers. Well, the Iron Patriot wasn't Rhodey ever. It was no, always that was Norman a thing Osborn. that the MCU Marvel, yeah, did Marvel, on their yeah. own. Um, he was president. He was president. He was uh, the leader of the Dark Avengers. Oh, okay, cool. Which as I guess was a bunch of villains, Iron Patriot, right? I think as Iron Patriot, yeah. yeah. Which they were all like pretending to be good guys, right? Right. right yeah. But there's but it was just a group of supervillains. Yeah, they're still doing nefarious things. Yeah, that's all I got for the background. Those are the kind of our main players, our main characters. What I about the talk Rhino? About. Oh yeah, Rhino. I didn't write down anything about him. He's, I mean, he's barely in this movie, but <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk about it. But he's he's like a big, uh, he's like a hulking guy. Like he's he's really large, and he wears a rhino suit. He wears a onesie. Yeah, with the, with a horn. <laughs> Uh, not in this movie, though, since, you know, this was a more grounded universe right? So, where everybody just becomes animal hybrids instead. <laughs> <laughs> They're all shooting up things without testing them. <laughs> Initial expectations for this film, uh, Birdo, go. At the time, I was very hyped for this movie because I liked the first movie so much. I remember, like, seeing the trailers and being like, oh, this looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it when I watched it, but I was like, man, the first movie was a lot better. But I didn't hate this movie by any means or anything like that. Yeah, I think my expectations were, like, pretty much just kind of middling. And, like, I, I mean, I like that previous movie a lot. But, like, there's something about the poster of this movie and the trailers and, and seeing Electro that already kind of had me concerned. I wasn't that upset about what Electro looked like or anything like that. Because as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, they're doing a Ultimate Electro. Okay, cool. I'm <laughs> glad you recognized. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this movie, I saw it and mm-hmm. I hated it. And I don't know if there was another modern day superhero movie that I hated more than this film. Iron Man 3? Like coming out of it. No, I thought Iron Man 3 was fine. And I like Iron Man 3. We argue about it. I just think <laughs> it has a lot of problems. But okay. this film, I, I, I left the theater like... Upset? Uh, yeah, like angry. <laughs> and I was like, this movie sucks. I never want to see it again. I have a big DVD collection. And I was like, well, you know, superhero movies, that's kind of my thing. I'm going to own all of them, even the bad ones. And like that was, see, I already had this Phantom Zone attitude back then because I was like, they're still worth watching. You know what I mean? Right. So I own it. And this is the first time I've ever popped it in. This is the first time I've oh, ever seen the it. Theater. This is the second time I've seen this movie. Wow. Um. So I was expecting to hate it just as much. And let's get into it. You okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. Let's get into the plot of this movie, guys. Richard Parker, Peter's dad, speaks into his basement computer while he should have been playing hide and seek with his son. <sighs> <laughs> This scene recontextualizes the opening of the previous film, where Peter finds his dad's office broken into. After dropping off Peter with Uncle Ben and Aunt May, they board a private jet to escape. Richard and Mary Parker lament that their lives are over, but they can't jeopardize Peter's. As Richard uploads the rest of his super-secret research to the internet, the co-pilot attacks them, having just killed the pilot. 
He holds the only parachute and makes a grab for the laptop. They fight, Richard shoots the window open and jettisons his attacker, and the plane presumably crashes. He was working during hide-and-seek. I think hide-and-seek was just a ploy so he could get Peter to fuck off for a little bit while he did something that's important. A, that's a shitty parent move, man, right there, let me say. I feel like all of our parents did something similar. That's like, oh yeah, go, um, you know, go just find this thing. for a minute, please. <laughs> Just, here, make sure you count to 600. He even set up like a broom with his shoes behind a yeah! curtain. That's a dick move. Just keep him busy longer while I can work some more. Also, this is the only time you'll ever see two people fighting over a Sony Avio laptop. Just saying. Yeah, they're not that great of computers. Also, what year did this take place in right now? Like, It's about somewhere between 10 to 15. So like 2004? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's laptops. It looked like an older, like chunkier laptop. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, the Sony product placement is oh, strong every, in this movie. Every Sony movie, though, or every Spider-Man movie. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we just got a comment about the Sony product placement. There's about six Vio computers, like a bunch of Sony Peter TVs. Peter Parker using Ericsson. Yes, and <laughs> phones. And I was gonna say, and Sony Ericsson phones. And Venom, oh the God. TV. <laughs> hey, nice TV. It was just a big. Like a Sony <laughs> QLED. That's a nice TV. That Samsung QLED. A Sony Bravia? I don't Bra- know. Whatever. Why are we advertising for Sony? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> looking for sponsorship, Sony. Hit me up. <laughs> I also have your headphones. I like them a lot. Give me a PS5. Ooh, PS5, please. <laughs> uh, new suit Spider-Man swings down to fight the Russian mob, stealing some Oscorp plutonium. The truck is hijacked by an insane Paul Giamatti. I love that this is Oscar award nominated. He's a serious actor and he is just I always see him as the guy from Big Fat Liar. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that movie with uh what's his face? Frankie Muniz, Frankie Muniz and yeah, Amanda yeah. Bynes. Yep, yep, yep. Spider-Man stops to save a very nerdy man named Max who's stumbling with his loose blueprints. You would have a bag. Come on. No one's just carrying blueprints like that. Anyway, uh, Spider-Man gives him a pep talk, fixes his hair, and swings off. He webs up all the bad guys and the Oscorp plutonium and stops the armored car from crashing into a bus. Meanwhile, at their own graduation, Gwen gives her valedictorian speech about life being short. There's some foreshadowing for you right there. (laughs) Yeah, I do like how this entire sequence feels very comic booky. You like that? I I liked it. Like Spidey doing Spidey stuff. I, okay, maybe I maybe I agree with you. Yeah, I do like that stuff. What I don't like is that a lot of times when we talk about action in a movie, we talk about like weight when there's weight to action or weight to like fights. And what that means is like we were watching. I don't know why we were doing this. I'm not going to stop and explain. We were watching old WWE clips last night on YouTube. Hell yeah. <laughs> and when Stone Cold Steve Austin is punching Vince McMahon, it doesn't look real it looks weightless like as if his hand was made out of like foam like he's pulling his punches right yeah and it, you don't get the impact it's almost like an uncanny valley thing where like your brain will recognize what a real punch is yeah it's like he's hitting him but like not really yeah Austin 316 that- says i just kicked your ass <laughs> So, a lot of this action feels weightless. It just feels like pure CGI. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel exciting. So, like, the part where he's in the van and he's, like, webbing up all the canisters that are falling everywhere, mm-hmm. that does not feel real in the slightest. It's almost, like, overly produced, you know? Okay. Like, they're not, like, falling 
with gravity. I don't know. There's something so not good looking about it. Do you, do you know where I'm getting? I think so. And what about him he, saving that bus? Well, I was going to say, he just kind of digs his heels on the ground. That's what and, Peter Parker tries to do with the train in the Sam Raimi movie. <laughs> uh, and no, but the way the concrete just kind of breaks and he stops that big bus, it still doesn't feel real. I don't know, because you compare it to Spider-Man 2... You know, when he digs his heel in the train track, Tobey Maguire, and the wood starts breaking, that's real wood that they, like, oh, broke yeah. in, a, in a special effect. And it does look real, and it feels more real, because the train is really big, and he can't just stop it with his heels, right? Like, right. there is that sense of weight to that scene that there isn't here, and there's a part in this movie later that gets the weight right. But for the most part, I think a lot of this action just doesn't feel real, you know? Oh, I think a lot of it might also be because this isn't meant to be like an action set piece. It's just like it's like a lighthearted intro to like, oh, this is what Spider Man's up to. This yeah, is and, another day on the job. And for it him. should and no, and it should be fun and it should be yeah. lighthearted. That's not my problem. The problem is just like it's a CGI fest that doesn't the way it look looks. good. Yeah, okay, that's really what it boils down to. But and Paul Giamatti is just like, I am killer. <laughs> I just I don't understand what they were thinking. Let's. <laughs> I don't think you were supposed to take him seriously at all, though. Yeah, I, but there's. It seems like I really like the sequence, and you really didn't. It's so, it, you know what though? It doesn't fit with at least the previous film. I think. No, it's definitely a shift in tone. Yes. So let's move on. <laughs> Late to his own graduation, Peter arrives just in time to receive his diploma and smooch Gwen in front of everyone. He sees Gwen's dad, Captain Stacy, who haunts him for breaking his promise to leave Gwen out of his dangerous superhero life. Later, he tells Gwen he can't keep living in dishonor of her father. Sick of Peter's back and forth, Gwen makes a decision to break up with Peter herself, saying she loves Spider-Man, but loves Peter Parker more. That is such a good point. Like, the burden of being a, like a dual-identity superhero. It's the classic dilemma for characters like Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. Can't really balance that, like, the two identities together, right? Yeah, and I feel like it's something that these two movies do a lot better than the Raimi movies. Because the Raimi movies, Peter's just like, can't be with you. It's dangerous. Bye. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yes. And then in the next movie, he just drops it, like, on a dime. He's yeah. like, all right, I'm done being he's Spider-Man. Like, Wait, yeah, I'm done being Spider-Man. Let's Whoa. get together now. Yeah. Whereas this movie, it's like there's an actual like inner conflict there with, yeah. within Peter. And, you know, like he desperately wants to be with Gwen, but like he's kind of being haunted by Captain Stacy. <laughs> I love all that stuff. No, I love yeah. everything that Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker do in both these movies. Yes, their chemistry is fantastic. The Chemistry's, writing between them is really good. off the charts, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, if you're not a little like turned on by watching these guys on screen, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like you're not human. Can we talk about how cool Peter Parker is? We can talk about it. He's I have some so thoughts fuck- about it. We can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, he's so fucking cool, he's man. He's a cool dude. Are you kidding me? Okay, we would be wearing shirts and ties. Yeah, you like know, fucking and, idiots. Yeah, like bozos. And here he comes with shorts and a t-shirt, makes out with the valedictorian he's on out of stage. Breath. He's all winded, <laughs> sweaty. He's, he just like barely makes it on time. God. Yeah, he makes out the valedictorian and then like high fives the principal <laughs> <laughs> and then leaves. So fucking cool. Here's and a, his hair so cool. Here's the thing. A lot of people complain that Peter Parker is cool, but also like this is a different Peter Parker. We are allowed to have a version of Peter Parker yeah, that's cool. No, I completely agree with you. And there's there's other times in this movie where I'm like, well, this doesn't really do Spider-Man correctly, but there is no correct. You can do different kinds of iterations. 
And I feel like in the comics, there's so much more room for that because they can just be like, oh, different universe. Right. And, and there are many, many iterations of Spider-Man. We never really see a cool Peter Parker, though, until these movies, and I kind of like it. Yeah, I think it's too cool. Uh, again, it wasn't believable that he was being bullied in the last movie. That's the thing. It's not believable that people would bully this guy. No. When people <laughs> would want to be friends with this guy. Yeah. I feel like this movie kind of course corrects the series, I mean, because it's like, at the end of the last movie, Flash is like, I want to be your friend, Peter, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and a lot of that was after Uncle Ben died and stuff. But um, yeah. there was a deleted scene at the graduation with Flash Thompson there, and, you know, him and Peter are like buddies. Oh, in this movie? In this movie, oh, yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I didn't watch all the deleted scenes. I just watched one. Yeah, like, were... they're like buddies. Like, Peter's like, congrats, man. And Flash is like, yeah, I'm going to join the army. <laughs> He would. <laughs> Which he does in the comics, and then he gets his legs blown off. and then Oh, that's right. And then he becomes uh, Agent he Venom. He becomes Agent Venom. That's right. Eventually. Long after Eddie Brock doesn't have Venom anymore. Right. We're going to get into it, but I'm amazed that they didn't squeeze Venom into this movie. They sort of did. Okay, cool. Don't tell me. <laughs> um, we're going to save that. Ooh, it's fun montage time about Spider-Man's role in New York City, the public's opinion, and vigilantism. Which ends in another masturbation joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Aunt May tries to come in to his room. He's like, he's no! Got that, he's got that lock. <laughs> he's, wearing, he's wearing the Spider-Man office. So he's like, you can't come in. And he's all dirty and sweaty. He's like, I'm very naked right now. <laughs> and he's just hiding under the sheets. Yeah. Uh, cool. Aunt May is going back to school, but keeping it from Peter. What happened to secrets have costs, Peter? They're not for free. Do you remember that line? <laughs> yes, but... That's something called a double standard. And <laughs> you may everybody have heard of it. at some point kind of like has a double standard about something. I don't want to go as far as to call her a hypocrite because yeah. she, she's doing it for good reasons. Because like they're broke as shit. She doesn't want yeah. Peter to like think Worry. like, oh, you're doing way too much. Like, why are you going to work at the hospital now? Yeah. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but it is kind of a, there, there is a little bit of symbolism here because they're both trying to do their dirty laundry. Right? They have their secrets. Yep. And they're each trying to do laundry, but the laundry contains their secrets and they can't do it while the other one is there. <laughs> yeah, because he's got his suit. She's got her little patch. I yeah. Guess. Or her, a, her uniform, I guess. Go to a laundromat. Yeah, you're in New York. I guess also, like, that's even more public to be washing your Spider Man outfit. Well, yeah, because I just watched Spider Man 2 and I, like, criticized Peter Parker for washing his suit at a laundromat. He does do that in that movie. I knew that sounded familiar. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, though, because Aunt May mentions that, like, last time he did the laundry, he turned everything red, red and blue. Wa- yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Peter's just, like, keeps making these stupid lies that are clearly not true. Like, he's like, oh, I was washing the, the American flag. Nobody does that. <laughs> Nobody washes the And American. also, like, earlier when he's all dirty, he's like, I was cleaning the chimney. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, we don't have one. <laughs> what? It's not that bright, honestly. <laughs> I like to think that she actually knows and she's just kind of like playing along. Yeah, playing dumb, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Max Dillon gets ready for work in front of his Spider-Man shrine on his birthday. He works at Oscorp and claims to have designed the revolutionary power grid that Oscorp made to his piece of shit boss Ryan Howard from The Office. <laughs> Do you know who Ryan Howard plays? In this movie? Like, the guy's name? No, 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 I don't. He is Alistair Smythe, who is also the villain, the Spider Slayer. Okay. Eventually. Oh. By name? Like, he's (laughs) named in the credits? That's interesting. God, they tried a lot in this movie. They... There's... And we'll probably talk about it during the analysis yeah, section, yeah, yeah. but the, like, there's a lot of seeds that were planted. There's at least, like, eight seeds that didn't really go anywhere. This is one of the ones that's like, you know, 
okay, it slid by. Some people might not even notice it. But uh, this part with Max, it kind of already shows you how, like, he's kind of an unhinged person. Yeah, that no, that guy's a... Uh... That guy's a mass shooter waiting to happen. And I think that's what, I mean, that's what this movie does, basically. Right, right. <laughs> yes, thank you. It is BJ No. Yeah, that's his yeah, real name. Yeah. That's his real name. But I just I just thought it's funny because, honestly. He's good at playing a piece of shit. No, but he seems like the same character. That's the only reason I, I called him Ryan Howard because it looks like he just got plucked from the office. It's like, hey, you work here now. And he's like, he's all like, right. All right, I'm going to be a dick to this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But um, with Max and the um, like him being unhinged and all that, like even the score kind of plays into this a little bit. Did you notice that? Like his like theme, there's like voices that are like talking through it. It's like whispers. Oh no, it's a, it's, it's kind of his entire. And we're gonna get to it because I have a lot to say about his uh, his dubstep <laughs> soundtrack, but and how awful it is. I like it, but <laughs> yeah, he's obviously unhinged. He's like a super fanboy, very lonely. He's impressed when someone just remembers his name. Yep. And the fact that Spider-Man read his name tag, like, he was elated that this happened. And the fact that he saved him, it makes him think he's more special than he really is. And he takes it to, like, an unhealthy level to where during that um, montage earlier with Spider-Man saving people and you hear, like, people talking on the radio, you hear Max talking on the radio about how... Yeah. Spider-Man's a good guy and he saved him and they're basically best friends now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. There, there is something tonal here that bothers me because I feel like the last movie, Amazing Spider-Man, wanted to be modern and stray away from the Sam Raimi films as much as they could. Yeah. But now this film has just got like already right off right off the bat two super cartoony villains in this character and in like Paul Giamatti's. So I just ugh, it feels like an over over correction where maybe they felt that the last movie was a little too dark. So they're trying to kind of lighten it up a bit? This one seems very bright, and I don't mean that just tonally. Like, literally, like, that last movie was mostly set at nighttime. This was mostly set in the daytime. Yeah. Philly the J is here saying, yeah, he clings on to Spider-Man like a toxic ex. Clings to drama. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he he definitely is. Again, he thinks they're best friends. Yeah. So, I don't know. There, there's something very unhealthy with the way he's thinking. The portrayal of a nerd is just so... This is such like a 1980s stereotype that I'm like, it's that kind of thing that's very cartoony. You mm-hmm. know, that he has like a big gap in his teeth. He's got a, a pocket over. protector, a comb over, big glasses. He drops all his blueprints. He's just like... He's imp- a klutz. Yeah. And like, oh, the pretty girl even says hi to him. And he's like, oh my God, like I've been seen, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Harry Osborne arrives home to see his dying father, Norman Osborne, who's been perpetually disappointed in Harry his whole life. He asks Harry if his symptoms have set in yet, implying that his sickness is genetic and present in Harry as well. On his deathbed, Norman hands Harry his secret work files and implores onto him to finish his work and cure the Osborne curse. First of all, huge dick. Second of all, um, (laughs) I've always been disappointed in you, Harry. (laughs) He just straight up says it. Like... Get right to the point. We only have one scene. We got to get it, you know? Yeah. I knew when you were 11 years old, you were going to be a piece of shit, so I sent you away. <laughs> like, come on. I almost see his point towards the end, though, anymore. He's just like, I need you to finish my work and cure us. And it's like, maybe you can do it. Like, you needed to be groomed and smart enough and whatever. But I wonder if he's already been the goblin. I mean, he already had the suit made, that he, jumpsuit. Yeah, he had the suit. Apparently, the suit, and we're going to get to it, like, helps heal 
You know, like yeah. it, it, it seems like Maybe it was it kept made the disease for him. At bay. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was also designed to be like a like a soldier s- thing. Yeah, I mean, and he had the glider already too. That's so. what I'm saying. I, I it might be one of those things where they have to, they were writing it off as like, hey, this is for the army or whatever. But then also, you know, he's going to use it. I'm going to go use it to be a menace somewhere. Yeah, but did you see his nails? They're all like claws. They're like really they, long. He, and he looked like a goblin. Yeah, and he's yeah. all green and shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if like hasn't met Spider Man, but has done some green gobbling. That's totally possible, actually. I think. Hmm. Max's horrible boss makes him stay late to fix his power grid. That's Ryan from The Office. Uh, (laughs) uh, He reaches for a live wire because everyone else is off work and enjoying themselves. Obviously, he gets electrocuted and falls into the genetically modified eel tank. They attack him, fix his teeth, and electrify him to death. At the morgue, Max awakens and is all blue and electrified. So basically, he's Spider-Man if Spider-Man was bit by eels instead. He's Eel Man. That's He's Eel Man. Sh- that's what they should have called him. E- no, that's stupid. <laughs> Electro is stupid. <laughs> we just like the powers of electricity. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of villain names are dumb too, though. <laughs> yeah. But everybody's kind of a dick to Max. Max is basically Peter Parker from the Sam Raimi movies. I was going to say that <laughs> the last. Everyone hates him ago, for yeah. no reason. Just what an idiot. And he calls for help for somebody to turn off the power, and the guy's like, nah. He's like, I'm off. Bye. <laughs> Like, it's you like, know this is important. Like, Jesus Christ. And he even says, like, hey, no, you got to turn it off. It's dangerous. But then he goes to do it anyway. In his defense, he got the job done. Why did his teeth get fixed? That's the only part of this I don't really like. The rest of it I'm fine with. Like, obviously I'm fine with, like, radioactive animals turning people into superpowered people because I enjoy Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how'd you feel about, like, his transformation scene besides the teeth? I thought the teeth were silly. That's the only reason I bring it up. But it's just like, it seems very generic. And, and not only that, it seems out of its time. Like, it seems like this is from, like, an early 2000s or 90s comic book movie. Okay. You know, it's just, it's a, the classic accident waiting to happen. I can uh, see that. It feels like Catwoman. It feels like, what other villains? Yeah, no, so I don't like it. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. My only issue is the teeth getting fixed. It's just, it's weird. It's a strange detail to put in. And they like zoomed in on it and showed it happen. And not only that, they don't really get fixed because his teeth, the rest of the movie are weird too. There's like a film over them, you know? Why not just have them have normal teeth to begin with? Yeah, this this shouldn't have been something to like zoom into is what I'm saying. Yeah. Harry dramatically commands authority at the Oscorp board meeting. He throws his balls around a bit. I feel like he, he. I feel like he feels like he has to. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he promotes a young lady named Felicia as his right hand and is visited by Peter. The two haven't seen each other since they were kids. They share some laughs and memories while skipping rocks. Harry asks Peter about his romantic life, and he says it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Hey, hey, it's complicated. <laughs> but is that our new thing? <laughs> <laughs> but that her name is Gwen Stacy. The Oscorp executive he insulted earlier spies on him and orders Max Dillon's death to be swept under the rug. I hate... Oh, God, hold on, hold on. I said earlier that I was not a fan of Dane DeHaan. Like, just in general? In general. I thought okay. he had a very punchable face, and I stand by that. Max How... said that, too, when really? I was watching the movie. Yeah. I mean, come on. Look at him. I think it's the haircut, really. I think it's the haircut. I think his face is fine. The more I watch this movie... As in the second time I've seen this movie. Yeah. I think he's fine. I think he's a good actor. 
He's a great actor. And I think he does a good job in this movie, which is something I didn't think before. Okay. So you had a little bit of a change of heart there? A little bit. There's something believable about like his rapport with Peter. Yeah, because they're like a little bit awkward at first, but he starts like bringing up some old memories and they're like joking with each other. In their acting, it feels like, yeah, these two guys who've known each other for a long time and just have like have had a falling out, you know, and now they're kind of rekindling their friendship. And I remember thinking this was like a weird retcon the first time I was like, okay, like we never met Harry, but we're going to believe that like they've been friends for a long time. They just they haven't seen each other since before the movies even started. But that's believable, I think. I think at this point, and again, I was just now having seen it again. No, I think it's fine. There's a similar thing in the very first movie with Flash Thompson, where there seems to be a familiarity between him and Peter, almost like they like grew up together as well. Maybe they weren't oh, friends, yeah, but yeah, but like, they definitely like the way he like kind of confidently stands up to him. He's like, "Hey, Eugene!" Like, yeah, he's like, "Hey, I know your fucking real name." Like. <laughs> Back to this, like, scene. I also like when he and Peter are talking on the coast. Yeah, yeah. Or the coastline or the harbor. It's a river. River. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about their conversation that just feels like, almost like we're just watching two, like, actual people have a conversation. Well, well that's what I'm saying. The, the like, acting every, really sells the body it. language. Like, yeah. when Peter kind of, like, goes over the railing and stuff. Like, that's a kind of a weird thing he's doing. I also kind of feel like that wasn't scripted. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, Andrew Graff is a good actor. They have a good chemistry, I think. Mm-hmm. And like you like, say, it's believable. They feel like friends. Yeah. Peter gets a call from Gwen and meets up, who's looking to stay friends. They flirt and go out for ice cream. He leans in for a kiss as Gwen blurts she's probably moving to England for an Oxford scholarship. Peter's spider senses go off before he can react. Their chemistry is fucking adorable, and it continues to feel so yeah. real. Even when Peter like admits that he was like stalking her... It's like, oh, it, yeah. it's not, this is weird to say, but it didn't feel, it didn't seem creepy. No, 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 no. And I mean, I think she gets it. Like, obviously, like, they're close and he's Spider-Man. Right. She had to have known he'd do that. Yeah. Also, we forgot to mention the last uh, scene that Felicia is Oh, yeah, yeah, Black sorry. Cat. Felicia yeah. Hardy. Also known as Black Cat. Another seed planted to try and create another cinematic universe. Yeah. Like, this one... I feel like it was unnecessary. Why is Felicia Hardy working at Oscorp? Well, and we're going to get to it, but it seems like the way they wrote this is they're like, we want to expand the universe very rapidly. So we'll just have everybody at Oscorp. Yeah. Oscorp is like the breeding ground for it all. Like, everybody's there. It makes it feel too rushed, and it makes the movie feel bloated, and it makes this universe feel small. Does that make sense? Like, if everybody comes from the same fucking place. Yeah. And all at once, mm-hmm. and like, <sighs> and I mean, there, there are hints that there aren't any other vigilantes in this universe because Spider Man was like the first. They talk about Spider Man in a way they're they're like, oh, like, what about what are vigilantes all about? And like, why are they doing this? And mm-hmm. whereas like today, it's like, hey, Spider Man, do a flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they were trying to do like a like a Batman thing, where it's like you know, because. Batman started doing his thing, you know, these real villains started coming out and trying to challenge him. Yeah, how it escalates. Yeah. Like they like, like the the power he, level escalates. Right. He incites competition. Yeah. And, Something Vision mentions yeah. in Civil War. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking later on in the movie, he's like, Oh, I'll just go to England. And I'm like, bro, what about all your supervillains that are gonna start popping up? Like, <laughs> like he's like, Yeah, they there's crime in England, right? <laughs> <laughs> they never caught Jack the Ripper. <laughs> um 
we mentioned last week also they were dating um and they were dating up to like 2015 or something like that so during this movie they've not only were they dating on set because they kind of i think they met on the previous movie and that's where they started dating yeah they had been together for several years already yep. as this movie's filming so they didn't break up until like quite a bit after this movie, i think it was even. 2015 so it would have been the year after this movie yeah. comes out so i'm saying there's two years of built-in chemistry and it shows this. it definitely shows oh my god yeah like they could have been ad-libbing all of that for all we yeah. know they could have been just filming andrew garfield and emma emma stone, stone just hanging out <laughs> and they're like fuck put it in the movie <laughs> put it in the movie let's change some of the words and we're good <laughs> There's lighting guys, and then there's I'm being mic'd up, and we're on break. I thought (laughs) that's one of the things with these two movies is the chemistry between most of the characters is very good, and the acting is pretty damn good as well. All the actors top down are are really good. Yeah, well, but mm. (laughs) for the most part, Jamie Foxx is a good actor. We're gonna get into it. However, I just hate everything that they do in this movie. I and Paul Giamatti. uh, Yeah, the Paul Giamatti thing is a little ridiculous and dane dehan later but dane dehan now is doing good so far so good dane (laughs) (laughs) okay max accidentally flips a van and is flanked by police on all sides he sees himself on every screen in Times square and finally feels seen spider-man arrives and tries to talk him down remembering him from the earlier incident a sniper shoots at max which sets him off his inner bad guy voice starts singing at him why We'll get to it. Uh, (laughs) He starts fighting Spider-Man, breaks a web shooter with his electricity, and grabs more power lines to charge up. Now he can fly. They fly now? Now he can fly. fly now. uh, And shoots pedestrians before Spidey hoses him down while wearing a firefighter helmet. I love that he had the time to put on the firefighter helmet during this... uh... Very Spider-Man thing. (laughs) I mean, it could have easily been like, hey, you got a hose? Oh, cool. Helmet. He also learned all the names of the firefighters. So he's like, all right, great job, Billy. <laughs> Whatever he says. It was a bit. <laughs> this sequence in Times Square, and I know this might not be a popular opinion, but I actually really like the buildup, at least, to this. To where, like, it almost got to a point where he almost actually talked them down. Yeah. Like, that part's good. I think there's good elements here. I think the scene overall is not good. I didn't like it. However, the creating of a monster aspect mm-hmm. to it I do, I do enjoy because he had no ill will going into Times square no i he's think still he confused was, about his powers and he was probably drawn to all the electricity there like there was yes. probably something in him where he's like i need this yeah well i think the last scene he's walking up a street and through his vision he sees like he sees electricity and yeah. he, he's like, following following it. exactly yeah. so he does end up in Times square but yeah no overall i don't like it it's <laughs> <laughs> just like, is it just the way it was done I don't know. There's a little bit of bullet time in this. Bullet time is kind of like, because of the Matrix, that's yeah. what they call when you slow down and you move the camera around. I think it's interesting because it wasn't in the last movie. No, I don't think. it seemed like they did it in here to show his spidey sense. I think that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah. Because he, he saw that everybody was about to touch the railing as it was being electrified. Yeah. He acted beforehand, which is what the spider sense is. It's kind of like a precognitive. Pre-cognition, yeah. Yeah. He also says, it's my birthday. Time to light the candle. That I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I feel like his character probably thought that was a cool thing to say. Sure. Um, <laughs> sorry, I forgot what we were talking about. To your point about uh, Spidey talking him down, it is a great moment for Spider-Man's character, I think. This is how 
Spider-Man approaches a scenario differently than like the police. He's trying to be diplomatic about it. Yeah, he's going to try to solve the problem first before resorting to violence. Whereas the police are jumpy. <laughs> They're immediately yeah, like he steps in a puddle, get startled, and then they shoot him. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's going to piss him off. Well, I think he had already flipped a truck at that point. No, no, no. That was on accident, though. Yeah. It was about to hit him, and he went like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, up to this point, he hasn't done anything wrong yet. Like, he's a little upset and unhinged and confused, which puts him in a very vulnerable spot. So I get I get that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, you watch a scene two times, and the second time you kind of see, like, well, part of what is turning Max into Electro, like the supervillain, is that for a minute he sees that he's being seen. He gets put on every screen on Times Square. And, and something like, about him likes it. And he likes it. And now he's feeling the power going through him. And then they start painting him as a villain and everybody starts bullying him. Everybody starts like booing him and then Spider-Man shows up on all the screens and he gets like yeah. this like jealousy. Right. I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to kind of watch. I think it was done a little too quickly. You, obviously. Yeah. It was like, it's a, not, it's like, not, a, like a switch flip. It's not great. But I'm saying you have to see that scene twice in order to be like, oh, that's what they were going for. Because on, on the surface level, what it looks like is... Spider-Man doesn't want to be my best friend. I'm a supervillain now. Right. The scene has a lot of subtext, but it's like... It's kind of covered up by, like, the text. (laughs) Which is, (laughs) it's my birthday, time to light the candle. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, this scene has so many good elements in it. I think the execution could have been better. But I overall did like the scene. I don't know. Because maybe it's because I was reading into it while I was watching it. But I'm like, oh, this is, like, really interesting stuff going on right now. Yeah, I think it could have been a little bit better. I think it was fumbled a little bit. Back home and frustrated, Peter sinks himself into solving the mystery of his missing parents and how to protect his web shooters from strong electrical charges. Meanwhile, Harry discovers his father's secret files and video of Norman Osborn working alongside Richard Parker and invites Peter to Oscorp. There he shows him that their experiments never made it to human trials, save for that Spider-Man somehow has all the abilities their research promised and must have been bitten by one of the spiders. He asks Peter to find him because he's photographed Spider-Man. Gwen runs a search on Max Dillon, which incites security to look for her. She and Peter hide in a broom closet where they kiss. <laughs> I like that they were like, this is the most cliche place to hide. Y- yeah. It's like they're obviously going to find you in here. And that's what the movie did. <laughs> like, yeah. Is this meta commentary? <laughs> like, <sighs> they Was it lampshaded it? <laughs> maybe a little bit, yeah. Why would you immediately assume that he's like, oh, Spider-Man definitely got bit by one of our spiders? Uh, because he has the abilities of... I guess, whatever. That's just spider. I thought it was a bit of a stretch. I was like, I thought it was nice to actually see a character connect the dots for once. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. Harry's not an idiot. <laughs> no. Well, eh. At the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane, Dr. Ashley Kafka studies Electro... He named himself Electro and pushes his limits. His powers include electricity manipulation, teleportation via electricity, and dubstep music generation. I only bring this up because how stupid that is. And like his like dubstep powers, apparently. It's It's not powers. It's just like the soundtrack. It's the soundtrack going along with his power. They were being experimental. I kind of like it. I hate it so much. Uh, and I don't even like dubstep. Also, I bring... No, no. Um, it's a form of, like, electric music, basically. So, yeah. if you don't know. 
like uh, Cable says in Deadpool 2, dubstep's for pussies. <laughs> I don't remember. I've only seen Deadpool 2 once, I think. Oh, it's a good movie. I know it's good. I liked it, but I need to watch it again. I also bring this up because in the comics, Dr. Kafka is female. Her name is Ashley. And not a villain? Not a Nazi? And not a villain. Yes. <laughs> this guy was Nazi. borderline like a Nazi. He's like a German scientist. And he's like, yeah. mm, I want to torture you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she's good. She's often an ally to Spider-Man. So it's interesting that they're like, let's make this guy Ashley Kafka. They should have just made him an original character. Like, why are you going to like... Because they got to throw the- as many characters that they're allowed to use because this, that's what Sony does in their Spider-Man it, It's movies. just such a weird thing when they're like, all right, we're going to gender swap this character and make him evil. At that point, then it's not the same character like, at all. <laughs> then it's just another scientist that works at Ravencroft. You yeah. know? So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and also, like, Ravencroft is used a lot in uh, these Sony movies, which I think... What the- other movie is it in? Venom 2. Oh, oh. Yeah, and, they go to Venom. And I guess the end of Venom 1. That's where Venom Cletus goes is being held. Times. Yeah, 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 you're right. And in the credits, it says Ashley. They only call him Doctor or Dr. Kafka. Although Ashley can be a man's name, too. It can. Uh, it's if not If you've common. ever seen Evil Dead, Ashley Williams, played by Bruce Campbell. I know a couple, <laughs> and they're both named Ashley. That's They got married. Interesting. So now they have the same first and last name. They have the same name. <laughs> that seems like a logistical nightmare. Isn't that weird? <laughs> you know, they do the whole, he has like... It's like his voice. The he has voice an is alter in his ego head. voice. He has a voice in his head, like yeah. as a lot of evil characters do. But it's singing to him. And right. it's with like dubstep music. <laughs> it's I, just such a fucking here's the choice. Thing, it's, it is, but I there's something I like about it to where it's like... They're incorporating the score into the movie itself in like a way that I've never really seen done. Maybe for good reason, but I'm not mad that they tried it. Okay. And I feel like a lot of that input was from uh, Pharrell Williams, actually. Probably. So it's scored by... uh, Multiple people. Hans Zimmer. But Hans Zimmer, I think, pretty much just like... Because Hans Zimmer has like a lot of like acolytes for lack of a better word uh he 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 does like groom a lot of other people to like yeah know, put movies and he will often uh collaborate with like a singer and just kind of like get you know their input and kind of make some product based on both their yeah. things right and i think in this is like it's pharrell is listed as a as one yeah, of them pharrell's one of them and this seems like a very like pharrell thing yeah I can't describe why, but I, don't, I just feel it. Because happy? <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. No, I don't like it at all. And I think it's Hans Zimmer just kind of, I think he really pretty much just kind of checked out. I think he's just like. I'll let everybody else yeah, kind of do this. and Slaps I'll just... his name on it. He probably gave a theme here and there. But they even used the theme, the main theme from the last movie, though. I didn't hear it at all. It where... was there a little bit like. Um, I didn't hear it at all. Mostly during like the Peter Parker parts. Like, with his parents and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe. Aunt May stumbles on Peter's conspiracy theory wall about his parents. He demands to know more about them, and she retorts how Peter was hers to raise, and she will continue to protect him from the truth, but ultimately gives in. She reveals that after the funeral, some government officials told her that Richard Parker's research was very valuable, and that he betrayed everyone to sell secrets. Hey guys, it's time for a quick break, and we will be back in a flash. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? 
Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Which doesn't make any sense for Richard Parker to do, and Peter immediately says this. He's like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Again, she's not very bright. No, think. she's just an average... <laughs> but you know what? An she, average New Yorker. She loves hard, <laughs> and she works hard. <laughs> yes. She's uh, a good person. Again, a lot of, like, the real human stuff in these movies are really good. They're so well done. Anytime all this kind of, like, parenting things happen, she gets to go... Uh, Sally Field here goes on a whole thing. I guess to act her heart out about she was dropped off this child... And she had to raise him yeah. from like when he was like six or seven years old or whatever. And she, she's like, you know what? Fuck it. You're my son. Yeah. So fuck that guy. <laughs> Why do you idolize this guy who left you here and didn't do anything else? You know, that's yeah. like, that's totally fair. But at the same time, she refuses to sully that image that Peter has of his father. Right. You know what I mean? Because she cares about him that much. Yeah. That's a great take. And that's a great scene. Earlier, there was a little bit of foreshadowing to this because earlier when she met he in the graduation, he goes something like, oh, I wish my parents were here. She's like, yeah. And she kind of looks down, you know, and it's yeah. it's a nice kind of like, oh, is there something? It's she here. doesn't like that they left Peter. Yeah. Especially since the only reason she was given was that they were traitors. Like, as mm-hmm. far as she knows, they were just bad people. Yeah, for sure. And Peter's like this wonderful, like product of like terrible people, according to her. Right. Spider-Man visits Harry and refuses to give him his blood. Harry and Felicia discover the venom from the spiders was preserved, and they discover the existence of secret projects. That's like the name, by yeah, the way, of like the it's, thing. It's a folder called Secret Projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently it's like a floor on the building that nobody knows about. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, before the evil Oscorp executive guy comes and frames him for trying to cover up Max Dillon's death, the very thing that he did with Harry's credentials. Harry goes to Ravencroft, incapacitates some guards, and sneaks in to find Electro. He makes a deal with Electro to work together and get Spider-Man, and to get Harry into Oscorp. So, this is where there's that very Dr. Manhattan shot where he reproduces himself out of thin air. Yes. But he's wearing underwear. <laughs> it looks kind of cool when he does it, though. It looks just It looks like, threatening. It looks like Dr. Manhattan. It looks like, just like <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. This is also the scene with that special projects list, which is... An Easter egg list, basically. Oh, could you see the names on the computer? Yeah, and I'm about to look up the image of them right now. Okay. Well, real quick, also, it's a weird table computer, and I—it's very it, Tony Stark. If there's one thing, hold on, because if there's one thing I hate about these movies is how they portray their futuristic tech, because it's never practical at all. No. It's like the keypad that you have to like move the circles in a certain nobody would know how to use that you know and then there's the computers that are holograms and like peter's just like oh and he just starts grabbing holograms like he knows what the fuck he's doing like you've never seen you've only seen sony vio computers bro you don't have any idea what this is that's not a qwerty keyboard no (laughs) and then when he's using i'm going on a whole rant if when he's using that glass table computer first of all all his computers are glass tables his neck is craned down the whole time and he yeah. knows how to drag things and stuff. I'm like, this is a UI you've never used. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> like this is a bad design for a computer. 
Have I killed enough time for you to look up I'm, your thing? I'm trying to find it. <laughs> oh. I know one of the things mentioned said Venom storage. Oh, did it really? Yeah. Well, there you go. There's your Venom. <laughs> There's the Venom. Ooh, I found a very clear image of it. Okay. On the right side, you see like just a bunch of things like exosuit prototype and stuff, but you also see something called Dr. Connor's file. You see something called Dr. Morbius file. Oh. And another one of the lists, you see Ravencroft. You see Venom okay. Storage 7U, and then like a bunch of other stuff like Plutonium and stuff like that. Prosthetics, Norman Osborn inbox. <laughs> <laughs> personal emails so it's like it's similar to like that list in x-men 2 yeah that mystique pulls up and it shows it for like a second like a bunch of names yeah and we went and we looked up every single yeah. one of those characters yeah i remember the only ones really <laughs> worth noting though in this list is like dr connor's that's the lizard obviously yeah. dr morbius, morbius he has a michael movie coming morbius. out michael morbius michael Mor it's your friend michael morbius <laughs> he's the living vampire so he has uh -huh. a bunch of vampire traits but he's not dead and then we have the Venom storage. It's interesting that they had, um, like, Morbius plans that far back. Yeah. Well, well, especially, I mean, it's just an Easter egg, but I mean, especially when they're, like, they're planning for, like, a Sinister Six movie. It seemed like Sony was just planning on doing a bunch of villain movies after this. Well, they have one hero and endless villains, basically. Yeah. They can maybe pull two heroes out of it. They could turn Venom into a hero. They could do some Black Cat stuff. Some Black Cat stuff, yeah. They recycled a lot of these pictures. Venom Storage 7 used here three times. <laughs> They're just like, ah, fuck it, copy-paste. <laughs> now, I guess the question could be asked is, are they talking about Venom, the symbiote? Or are they talking about the spider Venom? Probably the... Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Because it's a plot point in this movie that the... We just said it, actually. Yeah. That the Venom from the spiders was kept, but the spiders were killed because... They had to comply with right. the so lawsuit. Venom storage could literally be what, what Harry's yeah. actually looking for. Yeah, it's an actual plot point. Yeah, yeah. It's in the movie. It's not really an Easter egg at that point. But also, a lot of people did see it as an Easter egg. Eh, that's a stretch, I think. Yeah. If it was like Symbiote, I'd get it. Yeah, or something like that. Sim yeah. Symbiote. Symbiote, uh, Symbiote. What's we, the actual correct It's Symbiote, it? but you know that they, they redubbed over it yeah. for when the movie came out because the trailers were Symbiote. Symbiote. And everyone got mad. And yeah. then I got confused because now I don't remember which is which, but it's symbiote. It's symbiote because that's what I heard in the cartoon when I was a kid. Yeah. Symbiosis. Symbiote. Symbiosis. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> Science. We're not talking about Venom. I like that both Harry and Electro were like, I had a friend once, it didn't work out. And he's like, yeah, me too. They're talking about the same person. About the same guy. Oh, man. Know. Peter it's... fucked both these guys yeah. over. But that's such a Spider-Man thing. Or one of these guys is mad at Peter. The other one is mad at Spider-Man. They're like, yeah, we're yep. teaming up to get Spider-Man. Well, they're both mad at Spider-Man in this case, I guess. Because ne neither of them know he's well, Peter. He's also mad at Peter. Well, he's mad at Peter because Peter was He doesn't like... consider friend himself friends with Spider-Man. That'd be weird. True. Oh, yeah. I guess he's mad at Peter because Peter was kind of like being like evasive. Harry's a little bit unhinged here, though, obviously. He, He's getting He there, yeah. overreacts. Yeah. But also, is it kind of a dick move for Spider-Man to literally come into your house, sit down next to you and go, I'm not going to give you my blood, and then stand up and leave? I think he was just trying to break it to him, but that's Peter talking. You know? Yeah. A lot of this movie is miscommunication. <laughs> <laughs> Peter makes a fool of himself at Gwen's Oxford interview and finds more of his dad's secret stuff. 
He finds the abandoned subway station he suspects his dad was frequenting and enters one of his super secret coins. A secret train car comes out of a secret door under the tracks to reveal Richard Parker's secret lab. He plays the video diary his dad recorded at the beginning of the movie. During Hide and Seek, you remember? Yeah. Uh, he says that Oscorp was being funded by a foreign military, military organization to weaponize his research. Norman Osborn falsified evidence that had them targeted and killed. But the big revelation is that Richard implanted his own DNA into the spiders, and therefore, they won't work without his bloodline. So, this is probably the one scene that kind of makes the movie start to fall apart. This is... <laughs> it's too much. It's so void of subtlety. <laughs> because, why the fuck... Okay, for you to have built a secret lab underground that just comes up motorized... You would need teams of people to do that. You can't just do that on yourself right. by yourself. Yeah. And not only that, this recycles another thing from the previous movie where Connors has a secret lab in the subway. Was that a thing that or they that worked on? To, it, it was. was a I think sewer, it was a sewer. It? it was a sewer. But they were friends. Why do they both have secret labs underground in different places, That's, studying different things? Yes. So <laughs> mostly, mostly um, they're still studying like human like, animal you're hybrids. You're already but... in a secret place. Why do you need another secret thing? Like, it could have just been a closet. You know what I mean? And that would have been more realistic if it's like, yeah, his lab is just in, the, like, this closet in an abandoned subway station. No one's yeah. ever going to find that. It's a fucking train car that's underground, which is already underground. And the whole floor goes, <laughs> and then the car goes up, and then, like... It kind of reminds me of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they find that abandoned yeah, subway but, station. Yeah, but they don't motorize an entire, no, like... No, they just find it. It's That's off the rails right there. It's... There's a ton of Kurtzman Orsi bullshit. No, it bullshit was under the it. rails. Yeah. They, oh my God. Thank you. How how could I be so stupid? This is full of Kurtzman and Orsi bullshit. Also, which yeah. this movie is written by Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you know that we don't like these people. <laughs> no, they do a lot of dumb things. They like were, this. Like this one. Uh, this is our third movie with them writing. I think it was yeah, Zorro the, and, and the, Cowboys Zorro and, and Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens. Yep. Yeah. And it's the same bullshit every time. They write big set pieces, things that make you feel like, oh, that's a good movie. And then they work their way backwards. Yeah, because right? the way the scene is filmed and stuff, it looks really cool. It makes you excited. And yeah, then it, but it's intriguing. Think, yes. But if you think about it for more than a second, you're like, what? Why is any of this in this movie? Yeah. You know? The other thing I kind of hate, first of all, Magic Blood, which is a thing that they're obsessed with. Also, they're obsessed with false flag operations and conspiracy theories. We're going to get to it. And the chosen one. Is is that a thing they're into? I don't know. What's that? Or are you just saying that? I'm just saying <laughs> because th this does like Peter is literally the only person that could well, become Spider-Man. That's the other thing is this kind of like he's been predetermined to do this. But that's at odds with Spider-Man, the character. Right. And also Marvel. Like most Marvel heroes aren't like predetermined or destined. Destiny's like not a thing for Mar most Marvel characters. Well, they try to make it a thing, but Marvel characters stumble upon their powers and then yeah. are burdened with responsibility. Like that's yeah. what makes the Marvel universe different than the DC universe. Like they're not chosen, they're not special, you know, except for like Captain America. But even Captain America it's mostly like an accident. Eh, I mean, he uh, he was chosen by people. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. But I'm saying like... But not like chosen by destiny to be Captain right. America it's and, an and the war. It's an accident that that's yeah. how it happened. And then he is ultimately burdened with this responsibility because he just he will do the right thing forever. Yeah. Peter Parker's burdened by his responsibility because 
he has his uncle's death on his shoulders. Yep. You know, and he has this power and he's like, I have to do something with it. And for them to say, no, you're Spider-Man because you're predetermined to be Spider-Man. This is your destiny. That isn't what Spider-Man is. Also, it's kind of a a letdown with all the buildup we've had with what his parents were up to, you know? I mean, you think it just kind of ends up being like, yeah, um, so Oscorp's bad and uh, I kind of sabotaged their project and I ran away. This is just a very convoluted way of communicating that. It's bad communication. Philip <laughs> <laughs> uh, J says, isn't this also based on the president's underground train car that it's in almost every movie based in New York and people literally go underground? I think so, it, I think he literally Googles that in the movie. There, yes. There is one or two train stations that are, are abandoned, but they get kept up because they're like tourist attractions. And basically, you can get on the train, and it'll stop there. You can't get out, but you can, like, look at it, take pictures, and then it keeps going again. Okay. And we're going to get to this in the analysis, but, like, I just feel like this movie is mostly about Peter Parker being a detective, and it's not really about Spider-Man that much. No, he's not in the suit that much, this movie. He's got very little screen time. Yeah. And we're I want to get to that. But also, like, thank God Andrew Garfield's a good actor, otherwise... This movie would be a lot or worse. Or fall apart. It'd this movie fall would apart. Yeah. have fallen apart. Just derailed more than that card. It's almost like they tried to get Spider-Man to Batman his way through a movie. Uh, He's more <laughs> of a detective in this movie than Batman <laughs> is in his own movies, actually. Yeah. Peter receives a voicemail from Gwen, who tells him she got into Oxford and is already leaving for England to take a summer class and to cut the relationship off faster. Meanwhile, Harry and Electro, in a dashing new villain suit, break into Oscorp. Harry has the evil executive take him to special projects to find the spider venom. He injects himself with it, and it has an adverse reaction, transforming him into the Green Goblin. He crawls his way to the mech suit and the glider he saw earlier on his table computer that can heal the writer. Here's something I really like. I like when Electro goes to the outlet, and then he kind of, like, closes the flap. (laughs) Very polite of him. Well, he knows the importance of not getting his outlets wet. <laughs> Actually, yeah, he does. He's an electrical engineer, so yeah, he so understands he's, that. Yeah, so he's like, bloop. <laughs> also, like a Harry's like, yeah, the grid's yours now. You, Harry's a very honorable guy. He's also not concerned at all if this fucker's going to do the electrical grid. No, he's very, like, driven by, like, a single purpose right yeah. now. So does the suit solve all his problems? Like, he's, it just... Uh, I guess it does, but, like, is he going to stay in the suit 24-7? Or does it do kind of similar to what we kind of mentioned it earlier, where, like, does Norman wear the suit? Does it help? Prolong your does life. It, yeah, does it work together with, like, it, what they said is it has nervous system interaction. True, and, like, their disease seems to, like, affect their nervous system, because, like, yeah. he can't even, like, keep his hands steady. The venom seemed to work for, like, a second. Yeah, and then like it kicked. You basically need to be Peter Parker. Yeah, need his blood. So Uh, it's Richard Parker's fault that Harry became the Goblin. Pretty much. Fucking Richard. Also, there's just something disingenuous about having like the Goblin origin just kind of laid out for him. You know, like he's just like, I got the disease. I'm gonna get the thing. Now I'm crazy, and I'm the Green Goblin. The Raimi movie didn't do it much better. And here's the thing. No, but it's like his dad just kind of like laid it out oh, uh, for him yeah. to, like, become the Green Goblin. He, he didn't, you know? like, earn it, I guess? Which... But it's... Is it's, becoming a villain something you earn? Well, no, but I'm saying, like, it's very similar to, like, all the other villains that Oscorp is trying to create. It's yeah. like... And thankfully, we didn't see it, but, like, what if Doc Ock was just kind of like, 
hey, here's your tentacles. Have well, fun. You see his arms? That's my They're point. already made. They're, They're already, already there. for him. He didn't do it. So yeah. all these origins are completely nullified. It's just kind of like, take your starter pack. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Here's your Doc Ock and, starter pack. And that's one of the things I was saying earlier. It makes this universe also feel very small. Because everything yeah. comes from Oscorp. Yeah. Again, Green Goblin, he just picked up his starter pack. He's like, all right, I'm going to wear my suit, got my glider, got my pumpkin bombs. We're good to go. And, why, and, and why now I'm just they... going to start laughing. And now pumpkin bombs, it's kind of like, why would they invent that for the military? I mean... It's a pumpkin bomb. Again, they did that in the <laughs> Raimi movies, too. <laughs> but I thought he invented the pumpkin bombs, like, afterwards, where he was already kind of going crazy. <sighs> I know they already had the glider. They already had the missiles, the glider. I don't... The pumpkin bombs, Well, maybe. they didn't have the helmet. He created that. He did. He was going crazy It was already. just the suit. He based the helmet off those fucking masks that he had. Those yeah. Were... Those African masks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man webs an I love you message on the Brooklyn Bridge for Gwen and sweeps her away, literally. Atop the Manhattan Bridge, he declares more love to her and says that they are not on different paths, but the same path. He wants to go to London with her and just fight crimes there. From there, they see the power grid completely go out. And Electro materializes himself at the Oscorp power plant. They quickly magnetize his web shooters and Gwen demands to go with him to restart the grid, but he webs her in place. So we have another example of Gwen actually uh, helping out Peter with fighting the bad guy here. The whole magnetism thing. It's so stupid. It's stupid, but it's also so like dumb. it was something that she provided to him that helped him in the fight. Okay. You also could have just taken it out of the movie and it wouldn't make any difference. Eh. It takes up about a minute and a half screen time <laughs> altogether. Like from when, you know, his first web shooter yeah, gets electrocuted. We get more Peter and Gwen interacting and uh, it's always a good thing. But it's super rushed. I feel like it's in the script. We've got to do it. But like, they're like, hey, we need a jumper cables on a car. Cool. Boom. Done. Go. No, the whole third act is pretty rushed. Which uh, is weird because this whole movie spent so much time building stuff up. And it's like, all right, we got to finish it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think, while I was watching the movie, I'm like, this is a long first act. Like, we're setting a lot of plot threads. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, when do they start moving? And I'm like, it's 30 plus minutes into the movie. Then the second act is, like, even longer. It's like... And then you get to the third act. It's like, all right, checklist. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do we got to wrap up? Come on, like, quick. Which... Let's move. You could use your two hours and 20 minutes way better, I think. Yeah. You know? I paid close attention to which bridges they were on for purposes of this podcast. I don't want to get any of them wrong. <laughs> oh, nice. It's the Brooklyn Bridge and then the Manhattan Bridge. Okay. Right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> what bridge are they fighting on in the No Way Home trailer? I don't know. There's not enough footage, I don't uh, think. That, you know, for New Yorkers, there's probably enough footage. They, pr they probably know, like, just yeah, first glance. <laughs> but I don't look into that. <laughs> Electro and Spider-Man fight their way to the plant. Magnetizing his web shooters protects them from exploding. So it works. Electro warps from tower to tower, playing the itsy bitsy spider. I like that. No, shut the fuck up. I like. I, I like that. No, no. I, I liked thought, it. God damn it! <laughs> I thought this is where you're gonna be like, yeah, they went too far, dude. Are you serious? I liked it. He's literally playing the itsy bitsy He's spider. He's taunting Spider Man. Oh my god. Okay. This might be one of the Willem dumbest... Willem Dafoe literally sings the Itsy Bitsy Spider. That's a normal thing to do, sing a song. You don't just, like, play music for someone in He's the middle of a fight. with him. I liked it. Oh, my God. I think this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> period. Like, oh, period. Oh, that's, that's a bit far. <laughs> I hated this so much. <laughs> Why does he have to be a music-centric villain is all I'm saying. It's a lie. Why not? How often do we get that? We don't. It's it's something different. I don't like it. I don't like it. I know I'm in the minority here, though. So 
I could have. I thought we'd be on the same page. No, I told you I don't hate this movie. Uh. <laughs> Gwen shows up just in the nick of time and hits Electro with a car. Peter freaks out because Gwen has purposefully put herself in a dangerous Spider-Man environment. She screams at him that it's her choice to be there, just as it's her choice to be with him. He sees Captain Stacy again. So, first of all, even if you don't know what's going to happen, you know what's going to happen at, at this point. point. Yes, especially like how freaked out he is that she's there. It's a lot. The foreshadowing is just Which, it's pretty heavy. Even in his Spidey suit, though, his acting there was great. He's like, no, 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 you cannot be here. Yeah, it's pretty good. Are you, what do you think about Gwen's dilemma here? That she's like, this is my choice and it's mine to make. And you can't tell me that to be. She has every right to. Do you think she's right or do you think Peter's right and by extension, Captain Stacy is right? Well. And we talked about this last week too. Well, let's see. If uh, she wasn't there, Spider Man would be dead. (laughs) If it's only because the script says so. You know? (laughs) He he was not going to beat him. Spider Man didn't have him on the ropes. Electro was kicking his ass. That's the thing. Electro is actually very powerful in this movie. Does he use his power to his full extent? No. But he is very powerful. And Spider-Man was losing. <laughs> I think that's just because the script says so. Like, I don't think... Also... I, so, like, I mean, think about the magnetism bit. It's just a bit for Gwen Stacy to be like, I remember this thing that you didn't remember from class that we both took together. That's why I'm the valedictorian and you're not. And, like... You could have she just as easily... You could have just as believably written that to be like, oh, he, he thought of that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just kind of like, what really is she doing? That's not the point. The point is, is it his responsibility to keep her away from danger when she is choosing to be there? That is a bit of a dilemma. Because it's like, yeah, she has every right to choose to go there. Yeah. He has every right to be against that. But but he can't force her to leave. Yeah. And, I mean, we said this in, in the last movie because he implies that, like, he's going to break his promise to her dad. And even she said it. She's like, he doesn't have the right to tell you we can't be together. Right. Like, my dad made you do this, right? Like, yeah. she says so. Oh, he has every good intention, but that doesn't mean he's in the right. He can have good intentions. You mean the dad? Still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, Spider-Man? Well, maybe to a certain extent as well, at first. Yeah, I think it, it is noble of Captain Stacy, but, like, he doesn't have the right to control his daughter like that. And if she wants to be in a relationship with a dangerous man... Also, she knows he's Spider-Man. It's not like in the comics where she doesn't know that he's Spider-Man. Yeah. She knows he's Spider-Man. She knows exactly what she's getting no. into. I think it gives her a little bit more uh, dignity. I uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It modernizes the story a lot more for yeah. sure. Because but... she's doing what she thinks she has to do. Exactly. And that's fine. Like, there, Yeah, there's going to be consequences for it, but... But he's also, yeah, here's the thing though, Spider-Man's right too. It's like, they're you're both vo- right. You're vulnerable. Like, you're not super powered. Yeah. And not in this universe. So, like, <laughs> I mean, it's great that you want to help, but if shit goes down, there's a small likelihood that I'm going to die. There's a high likelihood that you will die. No, they're both right. That's the thing. Yeah. And that's kind of why I like this whole dilemma and this whole situation because it's like, she's like, I can help and I'm going to. And he's like, you're probably going to die if you do. Yeah. So he wants to protect her. She's already said, made it clear that she doesn't need protecting, though. Or she doesn't well, she feel like she does. does because she's a regular she human. She does, and I know, but she doesn't and I, want it. Okay, and I know a lot of that's kind of like, because she's empowered, strong, and yada yada. But she's also a regular fucking human being. She's flesh and bone. She's a sack of meat. <laughs> and Peter Parker is Spider-Man. <laughs> he's also a sack of meat. No, he's a strong sack of meat. He's not just a sack of meat. Okay, she resets the breaker to overcharge Electro as Spider-Man reassembles the broken line. 
Oh, and two planes almost crash. And all flight control can do is count down until the power comes back on. The planes narrowly miss. What a stupid, silly this thing to put in This reminds me of a plot point in like a subplot. Was it in BVS? It all sounds very familiar, actually. Right? Like something it. like this happened in another movie. And then we also have like um, Aunt May in the hospital with the power out. That is actually a real issue that would happen if there was no power. In yeah, the hospital. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the plane thing, too, but like... <laughs> and Jay says, just once I want to see the planes crash and the hero fails. That'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> but I love that they're just like, all right, get a timer right now. And they're just like, all right, now what do we do? We're going to count down that timer until it, the planes It was crash. unnecessary. It was just adding more drama In to real something life, that was already pretty dramatic. They would 100% have like battery backups for their radios. Yes. This is so dumb. I would have rather spent more time in the hospital with Aunt May because all that gets cut up so much. You just see kind of Aunt May running around. You see snippets of Aunt May running around and then the power turns on. She's like, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would rather all the drama be at the hospital. Well, yeah, because one, that would have been more dramatic. Yeah, have like patients like... it would have been relevant. Yeah, having like patients like almost die and then they're like saving them and getting battery backups and stuff like that. The plane thing was way over the top. Especially since, like, they narrowly miss. Also, like, planes go into landing strips in the same direction so that this doesn't happen. They're never going to be, like, coming head to head. You know what I mean? Right. Unless somebody just went way off course. And someone's like, I'm going to do a U-turn, which, like, they also don't do. (laughs) No, like, there's specific maneuvers they're supposed to do in certain situations. Yeah. To avoid this from happening. If you're not hearing anything from the airport, one, you're not going to go in for a landing. You don't go in the area. Yeah, like, until you hear something or until yeah. you need to make an emergency landing because you're running out of fuel. So the sky is just so, so big. Like, the <laughs> odds of, like, two planes coming That's in. That's the same thing with, like, two it's, ships. It's happened, How like, How often one. do two ships yeah. crash into each other? I think it's happened one time that two planes just, like, crash. <laughs> anyway, this, it was silly. Let's move on. All seems well until a sinister laugh shows up. It's Harry as the Green Goblin. He sees Spider-Man and Gwen and deduces that Spider-Man is Peter. Furious at Spider-Man for denying his blood and taking away his hope, he takes Gwen and flies up out of Spider-Man's reach. Spider-Man pleads with him to let her go, and they fall inside a clock tower. Goblin drops a pumpkin bomb. The two fight and become intertwined in clock ears. A gear cuts a web holding Gwen and she falls. In bullet time, Spider-Man shoots webbing to grab her and pulls back, but he stops her an inch too late. Her head smacks against the concrete floor. He holds her lifeless body in his arms and cries. This scene is great. I don't know how people feel about like Goblin showing up. Because I know some people think, oh, too many villains and stuff. But if they were just introducing Goblin as a villain and this was his introduction, honestly, what a way to do it. Like uh, It's a good way to set him up to be a villain to Spider-Man. A couple things. <laughs> I think introducing a villain in this way only works if he's going to be the primary villain in the next movie. In fairness, that's what they were setting up. Right. Right? So there's that. So I think that would have been really good because there was a lot of, um, like, he definitely had a presence in the little bit of screen time he had. Yeah. The other thing is, this whole movie, he's the main villain. It's not Electro. Electro's like a side villain that's marketed as the main villain, but the main villain is Harry. Yeah. And I totally think... Harry going down the hole he goes is earned because it's been they spent a lot of time, maybe too much time on him and this whole thing. <laughs> and he gets screwed over a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In that regard, yeah. 
it's a good intro for him. I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, where the fuck did the Green Goblin come from? I remember thinking like, this is too fast, too rushed, too much, but like, I'm okay with it. I don't think it was as bad as Venom in Spider-Man 3. I think it's similar in that like he's introduced late, but he has the pro. Like I was like I was just saying, he has the proper buildup, you know, because yeah. he's in this movie a lot. And also, like they didn't kill off Green Goblin here. This was yeah. basically his introduction. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. they had killed him off, I'm like, well, this is a complete waste of the character. Yeah, complete. Waste. I think it, it was meant to be an introduction to the yeah. next movie. Like, hey, this is your next villain. Mm-hmm. Here's a little preview of what he's like, and uh, he's fucking bad. He's terrible. He's a bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. No, I completely agree with you. I don't like the way he looks. He just he just looks like a sick guy. The thing is, it's like Green Goblin's a character that's hard to do because you risk being either really silly or really like over the top. Because like in the comics, he wears a mask, but the mask is just drawn as like a goblin. Like this is what he looks like a creature, but like it's the mask. But in real life, you could never wear a mask that would be that realistic looking. And we've said this. They tried it in the first Spider-Man movie. And there was a lot of issues. Yeah. And there's... Which is why they get the motorcycle Realistically speaking, why, why would you do that? So he, he's got the motorcycle helmet, which kind of in the real world works a little bit better, even though it's like not the comic. And in this, they're like, all right, well, he's diseased. And So he's we'll make him green. just kind of look like a goblin. I, yeah. I get that. I just think they could have done a better job with how it looked. No, I think he looks dumb as shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, though. He, he felt very threatening. Yeah, sure. So I'm like, I'm conflicted on how I feel about this iteration of the Green Goblin. I'm with you there. I think this scene would work a lot better if they hadn't had so much shit on the screen. At one point, you can't see her falling because there's a bunch of like CGI gears in the way. There's too many gears in the way. There's there's too much shit on me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should have got rid of all of that and just had a little debris and mostly just have like the empty space and Gwen falling. I think that would work really well. Yeah. Her dying is just so, so visceral. Like, you feel it. Yes. And and I hated it. When I saw it the first time, I was like, this no, is way too much. It's like, a, it's like a gut punch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it feels too real. It almost should be. I'm like, I'm surprised this is not like a rated R thing. Because <laughs> her head cracks on the concrete. That's the thing, though. And it's... Philly's talking about it right now in the chat. In the comics, when she she's falling from a great height, he catches her with the web and her neck breaks. Yeah. In this one, it's kind of ambiguous as to whether her head actually hits the ground no, or if her s- neck just... You I, see it hit the ground. Do you? If it was a rated R movie, there'd be blood. But you fucking see it, like, smack the ground. Like, just barely, but obviously enough to kill her. Yeah, her brain's mush. What you were getting into is, uh, in the comic, he catches her... She falls off the bridge, but they couldn't do that again because they did that in with Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of... Uh, and it's Green Goblin that throws her off yeah, the bridge. Exactly. He catches her, but the way he in catches Spider-Man. her was not the proper way to catch somebody that's falling. He does it the same exact way, and her neck cracks. Yeah. People were angry when this happened because they, they wrote in, and they're like, you're telling me that Spider-Man killed Gwen Stacy. And they're like, no. They, like, backpedal. They're like, she was already dead when she fell. Spider-Man killed her. But then later they, like... I think and Spider Man feels guilty about it. Yeah. S- still currently in the comics. Well, that's what I'm saying. At the time, they denied it. And in the comic, you see it. Happen. They say that it was the whiplash of him catching her. And then later on, they confirm it again. They're like, yeah. no, Spider Man basically killed her. But the dilemma is 
like is it his fault for accidentally killing her while trying to save her from certain death or right. she's, like in each scenario she's just gonna die anyway. i think the only part it's his fault is that he could have saved her if he caught her a different way I think even in the comics and stuff, he starts catching people like different ways, like by the wrist or like by the, you know, yeah, not directly on the chest where your whole body's going to go like that. I mean, when you have like, he has a split <laughs> second to react. And I get that. And that's probably what happened in the comics. I think too. I would have rather the neck crack, honestly, because just seeing like her head like hit the concrete like that. It hurts. Oh my God. It just makes me so uncomfortable. The scene makes me so uncomfortable. And the, yes, that is a good thing in a movie. It did its job. But, like, I don't know. I want my Spider-Man movie to be a little bit more fun. And this is not <laughs> enjoyable at all. It's like the all. movie started off very light and uh, kind of whimsical. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, remember when I was talking about weight? Yeah, there's weight right here. There's a lot of it because you fucking feel it when she hits yeah. the concrete. That's Oh, and the whole mm-hmm. sequence where, like, he's desperately trying to hold up, like, stop the web from getting snapped in the gear. Oh, he's holding it with his foot and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like he's like you I, can feel the desperation that I, it's the thing is like man, maybe I wasn't paying attention because I was typing this stuff. Like I just didn't see the mechanisms. Like I didn't understand why he was holding the gears in place like that. Uh, I might not have been paying attention. It's a clock and it was moving, and when the gear moves, it was Fine. it would snap whatever was in it. The gear was. The web was caught I in the gear. I didn't see that part. It wasn't paying so attention. So the gear snapped the web because it couldn't hold. <sighs> <laughs> I remember when I saw this in theaters, though, I I was feeling kind of emotional about it. I, like, was... I felt like I got punched in the gut when I saw I that. I mean, me too. But I just remember being kind of angry at the movie <laughs> for the decisions that it took. And I get it. You know, like Gwen Stacy, like what is her impact on comics? It's dying. Nothing until she <laughs> dies. Like, that's it. She's a character that was killed, and in her death has more impact on comics, not just Spider-Man, all comics, than her life ever did. Same with Uncle Ben. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there used to be a phrase that said, in comics, it's like... Nobody stays dead except... Except for Uncle Ben... And Gwen Stacy. No, no, it wasn't Gwen Stacy. And Batman's parents? No, 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 no. no. It's Uncle Ben, Jason Todd, and Bucky Barnes. That's how it used to go. Now it's just Uncle Ben. Now it's just Uncle Ben because Bucky Barnes and Jason Tower both brought back. It took him a really long time like to like actually bring Gwen Stacy back, like for real though. Well, I mean, to they be her, fair, they brought her back. In the, she was a clone, like a few years later. That was like five years Is later. Is that bringing her back if it's not her? Because mm. they even like, oh yeah, I'm not Gwen Stacy, and then she fucks off. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is like when she introduced into this movie, you should know like she's gonna die, point blank, yeah. like it's over. You know what I mean? Uh, And I knew it going into this movie that that was probably going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And as soon as she fell, I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Like, you know. (laughs) And again, there was enough foreshadowing where even if you didn't know what was going to happen, you know what's going to happen. Well, yeah. When he started seeing her dad everywhere, I was like, she's going to die in this movie. Yeah. But a lot of that was from, like, comic knowledge. Mm -hmm. Somebody going in blind, I'm sure, like, at least up until that last time where he saw uh, Dennis Leary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> maybe they were, didn't quite know, but at that point, they're like, oh, something bad's going to happen, probably. What do you think, for No Way Home, my instinct is, like, they're going to show up at the third act, they're going to do some fighting, and then that's going to be it. But I think they should show up a little bit earlier in the movie. Not too much, just a little bit, so that they can have some character moments. Together. Together, yes. the three Spider-Men. Because I think a lot of this needs to be wrapped up. Both of these guys have had universes where 
they were basically canceled for them. You know what I mean? They were Phantom Zone before they could ever wrap things up. Yeah. Because there was supposed to be a Spider-Man 4 and 5 and 6, apparently. Yeah. Obviously, there was going to be like 10 more Amazing Spider-Man movies. And spinoffs. But that's what I mean. This was supposed to be like Sony's big universe. Yeah, exactly. I think it'd be really poignant to have a scene where, you know, maybe Tom Holland's like, this is the hardest thing I have to do, you know? And the other guys are like, here's the hardest thing I ever had to do. And they at least tell you things. Just you don't see it, or even like some tell them. closure on these like, it, universes, yes, just to provide closure on some of these universes. Yeah, where maybe like Andrew Garfield's like, I lost someone. I lost Gwen Stacy. Characters that like one of them sort of knows and the one never met, you know. And he's like, and this is what I did after that. Blah blah blah. And then I found my parents. And then yada yada. And right. then maybe that just little things and then to kind of let the us Sinister know. Six. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I've actually fought the Sinister Six before. I fought Green Goblin. <laughs> they were all. They all look different except Lizard, but <laughs> they were all there, you know. And then Toby says something about MJ, and I don't know, blah blah blah. I slapped her once. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, like, I just, I, I really want them to sort of wrap this up in in a scene. You don't need a whole lot, but just acknowledge it in some way, you know. Yeah. Especially here with, like, you know, Gwen Stacy <laughs> dying. Like, Peter Parker visits her grave every day as the seasons pass. He replays her valedictorian speech he missed. She talks about hope and holding it tightly. In a deleted scene, Richard Parker shows up at the cemetery and reveals to Peter that he's alive. He tells him that it seems Peter was destined to find his work and become Spider Man, and that with great power comes great responsibility. That deleted scene was actually really good, and I think they should have kept it in the movie. I'm torn on this one because at first I was like, yeah, because it's in the graveyard scene. Yeah. So if you put Richard Parker there, that revelation completely diminishes. The placement Gwen may not be death. great. Seeing that, the scene by itself, though, was like kind of powerful. You no, know, it's a great scene. Yeah. And you all, if you're listening to this, go out. I'll link it below. I'm going to link the YouTube scene. Of this deleted scene where he finally discovers that his dad's alive. The acting's incredible it's from all, Andrew Garfield here. It's fantastic. He's like yeah. angry and screaming at him and stuff. And... Yeah, they both do really well. Yeah. But I get that, like, the scene is supposed to be him mourning Gwen Stacy. And if you yes. put something else big in this scene, then it kind of detracts from that. You yeah. Know? I feel like the dad scene should have been in here. Maybe separate the two a little it bit. It could have been a post credit scene. Where it'd be, a, he, it'd be like, the longest post credit scene ever. Yeah. Be like three minutes. Like have or him like um like going back and visiting Gwen's grave. Yeah, and then this happens. Then, that'd be nice. There's also a post credit scene that they put into the end of the movie. There's no post credit scene, right? But like because they, I guess they didn't think people would stay after the credits. <laughs> yeah, which I'm about to read right now. But like, no, because it sets up the end of the movie, which is the Rhino fight. The Rhino fight and Spider-Man. Yeah. Right. Which you getting don't... back in it. Yeah, which, exactly. You only need it so that the movie ends on a high note. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, Spider-Man has a good interaction with uh, the kid in that scene. Yeah. I think the other reason they cut this scene is because they're like, this would be a good thing to put into Amazing Spider-Man 3. But again, we never got that movie. Yeah. So for closure's sake, go watch this For scene. closure's sake, this is a great scene. Like, watch this scene and, and you're going to feel like, okay... At least we can kind of put the whole dad conspiracy to bed, right? Yes. We don't have to milk another movie's worth, which is probably where they're like, you know what? This scene is nice, but we can turn this whole scene into a movie. That's probably what they were thinking. (laughs) (laughs) I also like that her speech changes to whatever the story needs to be said. It started (laughs) off the same. Did it? 
Because in the first the first time we hear it, I, I, and Maybe I understand a different part of the speech. Exactly, yeah. I understand that there is different parts of the speech. But at first, she's talking about like, you know, life is short or whatever. Yeah, your life is short. You're about to die <laughs> in two hours. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, here she's like, hope and hope is so important. Hold on to hope because that's what Spider Man represents and yada yeah. yada, right? And Peter Parker likes to think that Spider Man gives people hope that things will be all right someday. Ex- exactly. <laughs> But maybe he takes away like his peepers. Yellow home. card song. <laughs> do, 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 do. Uh, hold on. Have the Sinister Six been confirmed yet? Lizard, Goblin, Sandman, Electro, Doc Ock. I don't know the six. A friend told me it's Tom Hardy Venom, but that doesn't sound realistic. It well, could be. Well, if you saw the end of Venom 2, it's there's a post credits. And uh, spoiler alert. He's basically in this universe now. He got transported. So it's also the only important scene in that entire movie. Yes. So if you were to do that post credit scene and then not put Venom in this movie, then why'd you do that post credit scene? I feel there's a 99% chance that Venom is in the movie. Now, whether he's one of the Sinister Six, who knows? Because it's also a Sinister Four. Because let's Doc not Ock forget the scorpion exists in the MCU. Yeah, scorpion's gonna show up. And the, fans, the fans are gonna go wild. <laughs> I'm. I'm I'm really holding out for Scorpion. <laughs> At Ravencroft. Oh, yeah, Mr. Vulture, too. Or Morbius. It's your friend, Michael Morbius. Uh, at Ravencroft. <laughs> were you going to say something? I was going to say, what if it's Ghost Rider? Shut the fuck up. Spider-Man becomes Ghost Rider. He becomes Ghost Spider. Okay. <laughs> this is the part I was going to cut out, too, because I was like, ah, it's tangentially related. Nope. I don't have to leave it in because yep. you said oh, Ghost Rider. God. At Ravencroft, Mr. Fierce, a.k.a. The Gentleman, meets with Harry, who tells him where in Oscorp to find all the villain starter packs he needs to form the Sinister Sticks, including Vulture's wings, Doc Ock's arms, and Rhino's mech suit. They break out insane Paul Giamatti and give him the Rhino mech suit, who engages the police in a shootout. An onlooker's little boy dressed as Spider-Man tries to stand up to Rhino before Spider-Man appears, coming out of hiatus. So I think the fight's stupid, and the fact that everybody's standing as a crowd watching it like it's an event is stupid. Yes! Why are they all just sitting there? This guy's got tons of machine guns and rocket launchers, and everyone's (laughs) like, ooh, what's gonna happen next? (laughs) Like, it's a fucking parade. But I fucking love his interaction with the kid. Yeah, that's nice. It's so, like, good. But it's such a good interaction, but it was also so forced to happen. Absolutely. Like, (sighs) again, they had this on paper. They're like... We got to put a little kid Spider-Man and then Spider-Man shows up. Also, Iron Man 2 did it, but whatever. Peter <laughs> Parker was Iron Man. That's true. Retcon. <laughs> but, and then they work their way backwards. You know, they're like, all right, how do we get there? How do we make that happen? Because yeah. that's a really good idea. Yeah. And then they kind of forced it to happen in a kind of dumb way. I don't like this scene at all. I like the idea of the scene, though, and I like the There's way the scene makes me okay, feel. cool, but it doesn't work. I don't think it works. No, also, it's very forced. Again, all the iconic Spider-Man villains just have starter packs. He's given the rhino suit, yeah. So just like, here, grab a starter pack. You can be Doc... You want to be Doc Ock? You can be Doc Ock. Here are the fucking arms. Is your name Otto? Octavius? <laughs> <laughs> These arms are for you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what was the next movie going to be like? They just go downstairs, find Otto Octavius, who's just another scientist, and they're like, here you go. He's been experimenting on the octopus. Yeah. <laughs> then they go a floor lower, and they find another scientist, and they're like, I guess you're the vulture. Because they're all you scientists. You really like birds, don't you? They're all scientists, right? <laughs> what about Scorpion? Hey, you really <laughs> like scorpions, right? 
He got bit by I've a ever wanted to be a scorpion. Scorpions scorpion. are great. <laughs> the thing about scorpions is that they're apex predators. You can't even catch scorpions. Yeah. How do you kill a scorpion? Well, you have to catch one first. God. All right. I have a jar. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We're we're talking about the lizard, by the way. Um, Why do you want to catch a lizard? Lizards are beautiful. <laughs> fucking love lizards. <laughs> All right, that's the movie. Uh, <laughs> that is the movie. Oh, and then we get an Alicia Keys song written specifically for the movie that feels a little out of place. Was that for the credits? Yeah, I didn't. But it was you also know, written specifically for the movie, so it's weird that it feels out of place. You know what happened when the credits rolled? I hit fast forward to the end to see if there was a post credits, and I. I always listen to whatever they songs here. they play in the credits. Sometimes you find some gems. All right, analysis. Where do you want to start? Overall thoughts. Let's do overall. Ah, this movie's messy. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you, I don't hate it, though. It doesn't anger me in any way. Even on my rewatch when I was watching it, the entire time I was like intrigued and kind of like glued to the screen. So it did its job in that sense for me. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot I don't like about this movie. Yeah. But there's certain things about how the movie made me feel and stuff that I, I can't hate it. It's very hard to explain. Well, maybe it's because it's based on Spider-Man, first of all. I do love Spider-Man, but like even I can recognize, like, I recognize, like, hey, this movie, I wouldn't call it a good movie. Now, is it the worst superhero movie ever? No. Is it the worst Spider-Man movie ever? I would even say no. I think Spider-Man 3 holds that title. <laughs> uh... This movie has the Kurtzman and Orsi effect, which is as soon as it's over, I was like, huh, that's, that's not that bad. <laughs> and like, you thought and, about it. And then I thought about it. Yeah. See, and then I was there like, there was only a, a few parts where when I thought about it, I didn't like it. And that was mostly just the the train shit, the underground train mm-hmm. shit, yeah. conspiracy stuff. Oh, and how um Harry just didn't fucking listen to Peter and kind of forced himself to become the bad guy. Like he wasn't being rational. Yeah. Which a lot of this movie's plot relied on people being irrational. But, like, overall, like, I'm not mad at this movie for existing or anything like that. And, uh, I don't know. I can't call this movie, like, terrible. I think it's more of a black sheep. I, I think I like half of it, you know. And the thing is, and I'm thinking about it, it's, I mean, talking about the writers here, again, these are weird dudes. They're 9-11 truthers, right? So, like, they're obsessed with, like, False flag operations, seeker groups of people looking for world domination. They're also into magic blood, which is a thing in several of their movies. Uh, it's not just this one. It's Star Trek. Star Trek. There's magic blood in there. It's just like weird things that they feel the need to insert into all their films. It almost feels like they're all a little too similar. You know, like, Zorro had, like, that secret society trying to take over the world. Yeah. And and it's like, on paper, that's not a terrible thing, but the execution is almost always the same. I mean, and also, like, when you think about, like, why like why they're into it. Again, they're 9-11 truthers, which means that, like, they think that 9-11 was an inside job by the American government to, like, make a ton of cash. Oil. Yeah. Like, fuck. So, like, <laughs> in this movie, Oscorp is... The Bush cool. administration. Yes. And they're selling, yeah, no, they're selling weapons of mass destruction to foreign governments and yeah. foreign terror, and they're funding terrorism, and they're doing false flag operations by saying, like, oh, yeah, we took care of everything back, so we're keeping things. And also, 
Harry Osborne, he's guilty of all these things, but really they did it. I don't know. Like once you kind of like see that, then you can't not see it in the movie. Right. You know what I mean? And I kind of, it's one of those things where I was like, I kind of wish I didn't know about the background of these guys because it is kind of ruining their work. But why is their work so predictable? (laughs) Right. Like, I feel like if you didn't know that about their writing, because yeah, all their movies have this. But if you didn't know that, it probably wouldn't bother you like at all. You'd probably be like, oh, well, that was an interesting little thing they did. And then that's it. I mean, it'd be one of those things where, like, after several movies, I'd be like, all right, what's up? Like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) Were these movies written by the same people? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Again, like, they can write some exciting things, but also a lot of their movies are, like, very breakneck. Yeah. Which really shows in the third act of this one, I think. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You don't think about it until you get out of the movie because everything happens so quickly that you don't have time to think about it. Now, in this movie, it does show up in the third act because the first two acts are pretty slow building. Which usually Which I like. You, yeah, yeah. Usually I would say was is fine. However, in this movie, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, this isn't a Spider-Man movie. There's very little Spider-Man going on. This is a Peter Parker detective film, and it's I don't very. Hate that. I mean, I I don't I don't think it has its place in a film. I think it could exist in like a TV show where you have tons of episodes. And you'd be like, this one's a Peter Parker episode. He's going to go do a thing, and we're going to see very little Spider-Man. You'd be like, oh, that's a nice change of pace. Yeah. In a movie, I'm like, no, we only have two of these. You know what I mean? Like, To be fair, there wasn't supposed to be only two, but unfortunately, obviously. that's what we got stuck yeah. with. The first movie was very much about Peter Parker finding his way into his hero persona. It felt like right? a, almost like a coming-of-age type yeah. story. It's your classic origin film. Yeah. And I think they did that pretty well. Whereas this, it's like, what is this movie trying to be narratively? Well, how much of this is also Sony saying, we have to do this, we have to do this, no, we have to do this? apparently a significant amount. Be- because the first movie did well, we're going to capitalize on this by fucking with your movie this time around. Yeah. And I think Andrew Garfield has come out and said there was a lot of studio interference. I, I don't deny it. But there's <laughs> at least 25 to like 40% or something, I don't know, those are made up numbers, um, are furthering the mystery boxes that the previous movie yeah. set up. And, and for what? Like... For what? What does it matter? We didn't really get a payoff. That's the thing. Well, yeah. But even if we did, (laughs) what's the point? Like, what's the point that Richard and Mary Parker went on the lamb? Maybe they they were supposed to get a spinoff movie. I think they were. (laughs) So was Aunt May. So was Aunt May. (laughs) You know. What was that going to be about? Working at the hospital? It's a drama? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe as a subplot in a movie, sure. But your own movie? So there's stuff <laughs> there's stuff in this that I really like. I really like all the Gwen Stacy stuff. All that stuff feels very earned. I feel like that is a natural continuation of the previous film. It's very yes. interesting. Like I said, it brought up dilemmas that were like, I don't know. What Relationships in general were done very well yeah. in this. Um, what do you call it when it's just two movies? Two movies. This duo <laughs> of films. There's probably a word. Actually. There's a word. I just I can't think of it right now. Because we're so used to, like, trilogies. Trilogy, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I said before, I feel like, yes, this movie gets hated on a lot. And a lot of it is rightfully so. But I personally feel like this movie is more of, like, a black sheep than it is, like, an abomination. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't see. I guess that's we're going to split because, like, I don't feel like there's enough in this to make me want to be like, yeah, it's a black sheep. Like, it has its own merits. It's just not popular. I think it's bad. I think overall, I think it's, I think it's bad. Okay. I think like the good stuff doesn't make up for, for some of this bad stuff. All right. 
Philly to the J in the chat says, I don't know if it's accurate to the comics, but Oxford seemed a little extreme. And they just wanted a school far away to make it more urgent. In the comics, Gwen Stacy goes off to London for a bit. So it's like somewhat comic accurate. It's, it's, it may not be for Oxford, but... No, no, no. She actually just goes to, like, get away. Okay. <laughs> and, now, uh, what made it urgent was, oh, I'm leaving today. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a little weird. Uh, like, she was already well, packed and headed to the airport the same day? I mean, I, I kind of get what she was saying. She was like, it, you know, use it as an excuse, but, like... If I got accepted into Oxford, we're breaking up, so might as well just like cut the cord now. It's like like ripping the band aid off. Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah, I get it just it seems very cut the cord was the right thing. <laughs> cut the cord. Yeah. That's like Is it a baby being born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like breaking away from your parents or whatever. But um what were some of the things that I because I didn't write this down, but what were some of the things that I was saying they're like, Oh, I want to save that to analysis because I All the seeds that were planted trying to build up this new Sony universe, that was definitely one of them. Yeah, and I think we talked about it. We talked about the the starter packs. The starter packs, the fact that Black Cat works at Oscorp. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of name drops, too. Those aren't as bad. Like, you know, his boss being Alistair Smythe, that's not that crazy. Yeah. The Spider Slayer. The character of the gentleman, he's basically only known for putting together the Sinister Six. Yeah. And he did it in a novel, which I thought was really weird. Not a comic book, a novel. <laughs> Yeah, and... There's a weird tie-in. There aren't too many of those, like, well, I'm sure there's more now, but, like, comic book characters made into, like, regular novel form, that's not a big thing that's done. No, absolutely not. There was a Thanos novel that came out a few years ago. Not that really. was advertised as being canon to the MCU, but then afterwards they said it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. They tried really hard to um, get this new universe going and they were trying to get it going very quickly they were basically like oh you know marvel is already in phase two yeah so let's um <laughs> let's do what they do but like Guys, right now marvel just came out with thor the dark world what are we gonna do <laughs> and here's the thing if they put a little bit more uh thought into what they were doing with this movie i think this movie would have beat out thor the dark world absolutely look like i said like i think at the end of the day thor the dark world is a fine movie it's not too great but it's fine. That's how movies, I feel about this movie. No, I, well, I mean, it's I, it's not, I guess it's not that far off. Like, I think this movie's bogged down by a lot of bad stuff, but it has some good stuff in it. I, I don't think, think anything that's wrong with this movie, though, has anything to do with, like, the direction or even the director himself. I can confidently say this was all Sony fucking themselves over. But then there's some tonal problems. Like, this movie doesn't feel like a sequel to the last movie in terms of tone. And I, like I said, I think it's more of a case where they're like, that movie was really dark. We got to do something different this time. But in an attempt to distance themselves from the Raimi universe, they made something that's even more kind of cartoony and outlandish in like Electro and Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird, too, because it is cartoonish, but it's like trying to be serious in parts. Yeah. Like, there is a tug of war going on here. Like, with, well, like, the that's where it feels the like series. there's a war between Mark Webb and Sony here. Like, it seems like somebody was trying to make one movie and somebody else was trying to make another. And I mean, maybe. Yeah. That could very well be it. And there's good parts of both of them, but, like, when you mix them together, yeah. like, there's problems. Yeah. Again, what would the sequel look like? You're just like, Green hey. Goblin blowing everybody up? Yeah, no, like, hey, Otto Octavius, take the starter oh, pack. Yeah. You're Doc Ock now. Well, like, they were trying to do, like, an actual Sinister Six movie. 
in addition to Amazing that's, Spider-Man yeah, that's 3. Right, that's right. So that probably would have happened in like a separate spin-off movie. But do you have information on all the stuff that was supposed to spin out of this movie? We talked about it last time. It was like a Sinister Six. Aunt May. An Aunt May. Maybe a Parker's Black movie. and Silver? Or Silver think, and Black? I don't think that was there. That was afterwards, I think that right? was afterwards, yeah. And I think they were... An Amazing they, Spider-Man like 3 They did want to do a Venom thing, I think. Yeah, and I think Venom. There was like six movies that they were like... like what's doing. his name? Avi Arad is like obsessed with Venom and wants to put him in everything. Yeah, he's... <laughs> he's the one I, that ruined Spider-Man 3. He's essentially been ruining Spider-Man from the get-go. <laughs> he's a fucking toy maker. Why is he in charge of anything creative on films? I A lot of people say that this movie has too many villains. I actually take that back. I don't think it has too many villains. I think this is marketed as an Electro movie, but he's a minor villain thematically. Yes. Like, and I get wanting to have the Goblin be a surprise. Yeah. Which, like, you kind of see it happening during the film, but when, at least the first time I watched this, when he actually showed up, I was surprised. I mean, he's in the poster. I don't remember that poster, like... I don't know. I that don't... looks like the DVD cover. The DVD cover's even worse, because oh. I don't think that's a very good-looking poster. Well, none of the Spider-Man posters have really been good, except uh, for the Homecoming one. Amazing Spider-Man one's something good. No! The new oh, Spider-Man... Amazing Spider-Man one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, those are all good posters. And I want to, like, move this into the costumes because... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know you there, There's one. something so real and tangible looking about Andrew Garfield's first costume. Posters of the movie. There's a nice color palette. Yeah. You look at this poster and the DVD cover poster, and they're just, they're just Photoshop messes, you know? Yeah. I don't know. This is the part where I'm like, this is a course correction because they didn't like where they gave maybe Mark Webb too much visual Which sucks freedom. because... <laughs> The visuals in the first movie were great. I His think the movie suit looks, was awesome. I think the movie looks fantastic. Yeah. Th- it's a dark movie, yeah, but yeah. it looks good. Yeah. I mean, cinematography-wise, this movie's very bright, and a lot of parts, the CGI looks worse because of it. I think that they, last they movie did cover, covers it up with the darkness a little bit. Yeah. But if we're into costume talk, it's costume talk, you guys. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Look, it's fine, but I hate it. Like, it's... this costume is fine. <laughs> but I hate it. I don't hate it because I think in the movie, like and in motion, it looks fine. I think in still images, it something looks wrong. Yep. Also, my one complaint, like while it's in motion, is because it looks so comic book accurate, and at the same time, it's a real suit. It makes it look cheap. Well, the last one didn't look cheap though. The last one looked really good. I know. I don't. I don't understand what the distinction is because something about I it. I think though. it's the fabric. This fabric looks very fake, and it looks very nylon-y. It looks like pantyhose. The way it reflects light. Do you know what I mean? I think so. It looks like pantyhose, where the last one looked like more of a wetsuit. I think it was a wetsuit, though. Like, he literally (laughs) ordered a wetsuit online and modified it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, in story and in real life, maybe. The material looked better than the last one. It looked more like something someone would buy and wear. It looked slick, too. Yeah. I like that. It, it was very stylish. What people didn't like was the design. It was I a thought the design looked de- cool. First of all, it wasn't even that much of a departure. When you look at some of the like other Spider-Man costumes he's worn in comics. Some of them don't look like Spider-Man at all. No, you think it's like Scarlet Spider or like yeah. which, Spectacular Spider. Which when, a lot of them look cool man. in their own way, but they're not just a modification of the traditional suit. Yeah. Spider-Man 2099. I love that suit. But it is. Completely different. It's got spikes on it. There's electricity running up and down it. It's I like that suit a lot. It's like the perfect kind of edgy for me. (laughs) Which is like a hundred percent edge. 
It's very 90s in a good way. Another problem I have with this suit is that it's, I don't feel like it's red and blue. I feel like it's two shades of purple. Like, I feel like the red is a very red purple and the blue is a very blue purple. I don't notice that. Like, to me, it looks red and blue. Even in this poster right here, it looks okay, red and blue. This poster looks, I'm going to show you some pictures real quick. <laughs> and in the movie in motion, it looks much more red. So I, I halfway take it back. But it's still not. It looks red and blue to me. Are you colorblind? No, I'm not colorblind. <laughs> do you, Maybe it's do you, a lighting Do you thing. see, like, the red, how... I guess it's not, like, a traditional red, I guess. I feel like if you I saw... still look at it, though, I'm like, that's a Spider-Man suit. Uh, I don't know. I think it's mostly the fabrics. I think they should have stuck to... Whatever cha- fabric they the, use in the first I think, one. I think what they should have done is... Change the eyes from the first one because it was unpopular, even though I think it's fine. I think it was cool. It was like polarized lenses. I thought it was cool. And I thought it was cool that they were yellow instead of like white. Yeah. Okay. People don't like that. Change the eyes. Change the design to fit the classic design, but keep the materials and keep the webbing. The webbing in the last one was awesome. I loved it. It was like built in. It wasn't raised. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this movie did the raised webbing too. And that's one of the things I didn't really like about the Raimi suit was the raised webbing. Yeah, I don't really like that too much. Maybe the eyes are a little too big. The eyes are a little too big for me. They're a little too bug-eyed. They are... Which, like... And that's what Spider-Man looks like. I get it. It's... Something about it in live action doesn't look right, though. Here's why. Because the eyes are based off of Mark Bagley. So Mark Bagley is the more modern... And by modern, I mean he took over, like, in the 90s. Don't quote me. Like, in the 90s... (laughs) And he did it for a very long time, right? Okay. So, like, if you just Google Spider-Man, you're going to see Mark Bagley art. Right. Like, he has that kind of, like, more modern but not super new uh, Spider-Man art. And his eyes were pretty big and they were that shape. Now, the eyes got bigger and bigger as different artists did. Like, Ditko was pretty small. Yeah. And then uh, Romita Sr. kind of just based it off Ditko. And then Todd McFarlane made his super big well Todd McFarlane's like ridiculous in everything he draws he's very extreme yes he's the creator of Spawn and co-creator of Venom right yeah. uh, and then you get other things like Scarlet Spider which is like the whole face there's yeah. eyeballs right well, and Scarlet Spider like his suit is a completely different type of suit though so that looks cool in its own way it's not like they changed Spider-Man right but these eyes are very reminiscent I mean not just reminiscent they're yeah. pretty much exactly uh, Mark Bagley's eyes but yeah, well, well, my point was that's a drawing, you know, it's an right. ex- or it's a, like an exaggerated feature on a drawing that doesn't necessarily work outside of artwork. No, like in real it, life, it in artwork, work. it's just like, OK, it's just they change the style a little bit. Yeah. In real life, it's like something doesn't look right. I mean, sometimes they also draw Spider-Man to not look very proportionally human. Right. Like they make him very skinny and lanky. Mm-hmm. But that's the artwork. Which you know? Andrew Garfield kind of looks like that. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. He's, he's he's on the thinner side. But yeah, I think it's a case of they went too comic accurate with his suit. It makes it look weird at certain parts. I think in motion, like in the fight scenes and all that stuff, like it looked fine. It didn't bug me. When I see still images of it, it bugs me. But in the movie, I'm not bugged. It's weird. I, look, it's not my favorite. I I actually like the lesser popular one from the last one. I do too. I think that's my oh. favorite live action Spidey suit, actually. No, I like Tom Holland's. I think which, those are the best which ones. Which Tom Holland? All of them. I think they're all great. I think the original, like just like his regular, like the regular, the regular suit that Stark blue, gave him. red. Yeah. Okay. I think the spider's a little too small on him. I don't know. I think it's fine. I like that they added little touches to it. It's got the little black. 
Like it's not. I like that he has the expressive com- eyes. Yeah, he's got the Ditko eyes. Yeah, where like they're a little bit slantier mm-hmm. and kind of like thick black lines that you know they created a reason for why they look like that. Yeah, you know, with the lenses and stuff. I like do that. still think my favorite live action Spidey suit is Amazing Spider Man one suit, mostly because it's something different and it looks cool. Hey, you know what? And we talked about this before with that episode, but like. The fact that it looks like a real suit that someone could wear in real life. Yes. Because Tobey Maguire's didn't look like that at all. It looked like... A, a professionally a prof- done costume. Yep. <laughs> it looked like a movie set made it from, like a movie production team made it from. Whereas the Andrew Garfield one, it's got the wrinkles, it's got the seams, like it doesn't line up perfectly. Yeah. It looks like he made it. Now, this one obviously looks much more higher quality but it still has the kind of it still has wrinkles i i really do like the opening shot on him when he's going down and you, you see, see the, the wrinkles wind, in the fabric and like kind of blow the, yeah. the little wrinkles in it you know and i like that because it, it makes the suit look real it is a real suit but it makes it feel a little bit more real yeah but again like too much of the comic book i think it's no, like they it, thought too hard about there is such a thing about being too comic accurate yes that is an art medium that doesn't yeah. always translate one to one to real life. Now you you could you could do all kinds of things. Again, the the Tom Holland suit, like it looks like it was reverse engineered. Like they based a they based a drawing off of that, and that's the way to do it. I think. I, I don't think you can do exactly what the comic does. No, because it's a comic. Yeah, it's ink. Oh yeah, Philly said, looking at the pictures on his own, the shadows and low lights aggressively blur the colors to look purple. It's a lot of purple. It I think looks it's purple a, I think on it's, purple. I think it's the, a lighting thing. The colors are not right. And in some shots, it looks fine. But for the most part, I don't like the, the tone of red and the tone of blue. I think all the other costumes do it better. And the first costume, the one that we like, is extremely red. And I like that a lot. It is. It's the perfect red. It's just, it's really strong. It's the perfect thing. It's the perfect thing thing and then uh we and we talked about this green goblins costume it's it's fine but it's weird it's a it's, it's another mech suit you know yeah it's like an armored kind of iron manny type thing yeah it's really not that dissimilar from um the raimi one. Oh, true electro has a costume he wears it for a little bit it's like it's a like black a, suit it's like a did you suit? did you see all the little lightning things that he has on it has like little like drawings. Who made this? And with what time? He probably did. When? He seems like the type of guy that would do that. They though. broke him out of jail. A minute later, he's wearing a little suit with little lightning patches all over him. <laughs> like it's cute, but it's not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, yeah, because at first he's just wearing a hoodie because that's just the only clothes that he had. But like eventually he gets like that black like. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's like a jumpsuit. It's like a jumpsuit. And he has like the little thing in his head, I guess. But like. This is based off of like the Ultimate Comics Electro, who doesn't really have a suit. He's just a energy he, guy. Actually, he does have a black suit. So he does? that's correct. Yes. Okay. But when he does go full like final form energy, then he's just naked. He's just naked in blue. Just naked in blue without, yeah. but like no penis. Yeah. <laughs> and it just makes one, him, he just looks like an electric Iceman. Yeah. In this one, he has the little shorts, which is well, weird yeah, that he materializes the shorts. Maybe he didn't want to go around naked. It's a PG thirteen movie. Also, yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, Dr. Manhattan, they're like, fuck it. You didn't give a shit. Put a dick there. Just got his Put big, a giant blue dick. Got his big blue dong just flapping around. <laughs> um, can we talk about the music? Because I hate it. I think it's mostly generic. We talked about it for a minute. We talked about it for a minute. I think uh, I liked some of the stuff they tried to do. But I will say the only track I really like is the one that you hate, the Electro, Electro theme. 
I hate that he's like a music power dubstep. Like that's one of his powers. That thing <sighs> that's stupid. And his inner voice sings to him. Why? <laughs> I don't hate that. Um, oh I thought it was interesting that his theme starts off kind of like whimsical and like innocent, almost naive. And then it kind of like starts turning into like this kind of messed up like voices in your head. And then they get angry. And I don't know. That's all fine. It's it's but experimental. And I think that's why I like it. Uh, we talked a little about the action, too. I thought it was mostly weightless. It was very stylish, I though. I also mentioned this. Like, this movie has very little Spider-Man in it. It's mostly, like, Peter Parker doing detective stuff. And yeah. what sucks about that is that we get few action bits with Spider-Man. There's the opening with the little canisters and shit. And then, like, he fights Electro. And then we don't see Spider-Man again until the end of the movie. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong? Because I no, can't. I mean, I have the, to think about like Green it Goblin minute. stuff. Shows up to talk to Harry. Oh, 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 in, in, in costume. And he's like, hey, but fuck you, Harry. I'm not giving you my Spider-Man. blood. man Yeah. And then at the fight at the end, he's fighting Electro. So it's just all CGI anyway. Like, he's not fighting anybody, really. No. So think about the lizard fight in the last movie. It is CGI. However, you felt it. Like, it all feels real. Like, you feel like the punches are, are landing. You know what I mean? Like, people are getting hurt. Things are breaking. Yeah. Even the shot in the library where they're swinging around Stan Lee, <laughs> it feels real. It feels like that's real destruction. You yeah. know what I mean? That's something we like sorely missing in this movie, I think. <laughs> yeah. The closest I feel we got to like that fight with the lizard at the school was like maybe that brief encounter with the Green Goblin. And that was like, it's kind Even of then, it. Before you know it, they're like in the whole clock gear contraption. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the fighting just wasn't as um, satisfying. No. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, last thing I want to say before we move on, I forgot there was a post-credits to this movie, but it wasn't part of the movie. Oh, you had the Shazam a song, right? What? I think you had a Shazam a song. No, it was it was a Days of Future Past oh. snippet. Well, do you I know remember they... this? People were confused. They're I... like, are they crossing over with I X-Men? I think I do remember that. But I also remember that um, there was an additional scene. It had to do with like setting up Sinister Six shit, but um, if you Shazammed the song that played at the end of the credits, you got a link that took you to a video. That's too much. It's too much. It's too much. So Very appa- 2014. So apparently, Mark Webb had an existing contract with Fox Searchlight to helm another film following 500 Days of Summer, and so after Amazing Spider-Man in 2012, Webb's negotiations briefly stalled with Sony as he was caught in a tug of war with Fox. Eventually, Fox agreed to allow Webb to direct this Spider-Man movie, but only if Sony would promote its X-Men movie for free. (laughs) All it did was confuse people. It did confuse people. I mean, I was pretty much like, oh, yeah, this is a movie that's coming out. I get it. They're just (laughs) cross-promoting. Like, I knew that there was no way they were going to, like, Spider-Man and X-Men from the fucking 70s were going to, like, meet up. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it for analysis. We got we got everything done. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. We're getting <laughs> to keep or cancel. This is a segment of the show where we talk about the star of the movie and we decide if we're going to keep them or we're going to cancel them. It's a nice little, it's a play on cancel culture. You get it. Um, last week we did, who did you? Toby, not Toby Maguire. Toby. Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Emma Stone. So I thought for this one, we'll do BJ Novak. I'm just kidding. We're doing Jamie Foxx. all right yeah we could talk about jamie fox jamie fox his name is eric marlin bishop that's not as 
cool it's as Jamie Foxx. It's not as Fox. cool as Jamie Foxx. Yeah. With two X's. Two X's. That's important, by the way. Two X's. Uh, he started as a stand-up comedian. Did you know that? I think I did. I think I did, and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> in Living Color. Also, uh, TV. he had a recurring role in a TV show called Rock. That paved the way for him to get his own show called The Jamie Foxx Show. I have never heard of the Jamie Foxx show. I it don't ran think I have for either. like it ran for like five seasons. Was it a comedy? Yeah, it was like it was a sitcom. Oh, no idea, huh? <laughs> First time I ever saw him was on Any Given Sunday. It's a NFL esque football movie. I think the first time I saw him was in Ray. Al Pacino. He's like the football coach, and he's he's yelling at all his football players. So Any Given Sunday, Ali. He was in the Will Smith movie. I didn't know that because I didn't see Ali. As it turns out, there's a lot of movies with Jamie Foxx. I'm assuming about seen. Muhammad Ali. Yes, yeah. uh, Will Smith plays Muhammad <laughs> Ali, and I, uh, I don't know, Jamie Foxx is in it. <laughs> Collateral. Have you seen Collateral? I've seen it. It's a good movie. Jamie Foxx is a cab driver, picks up a fare, and it's uh, Tom Cruise. Collateral. Thanks. Yeah, it's Mr. <laughs> Collateral, <laughs> the the assassin. Tom Cruise is a he's like a hitman with like white hair. He wears a wig. Um. And he hired Jamie Foxx to be his cab driver. And now Jamie Foxx is like, what the fuck? And now he's like an accomplice yeah. to like a hitman. It's like a, it's a good movie. It does have like a lot of the similar things that most Tom Cruise action movies have, though. Which is just like, oh, man, this guy's like fucking perfect. You know, he's he's going to run a lot. Does he run in that movie? I think he does. I don't think he runs in that I'm movie. I'm picturing him doing the... <laughs> the classic Tom Cruise run. Yeah. I don't think he runs that much. Uh, Ray. Ray Charles. Ray Charles, yeah. Good movie. Play he won best actor for that one. It's a great drama. <laughs> I haven't seen it actually. Really? New? Nope. I saw it as a kid and I liked it. I probably uh, didn't understand it that well, but pro- probably not. After uh Ray, he's starting to get featured in songs as a singer, which he wasn't really doing before this. I think he was just kind of expanding his horizons yeah. a bit. So slow jams and then obviously Gold Digger, Kanye West. Oh yeah. Can't do 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 do. I ain't saying she's a gold digger. You know the song. You know it. Yeah. Everybody knows it. I mean, I've heard it. <laughs> That's one of those things where I'm like, I remember when that song came out, I was like, Jamie Foxx, the actor? Really? You know? But. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't like Kanye West, but it's not a bad song. It's also one of those that like really has stood the test of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a big song. What about um, a- 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 Alcohol? <laughs> Is that song just called Blame It? Maybe. I don't know. Huh. It's not a not a great song. <laughs> uh, the soloist. I've not seen the soloist. Isn't that one about a like a violinist? I don't know. Isn't that one with a uh, fucking RDJ? I don't know. Oh my god, You're useless. <laughs> I've seen Law Abiding Citizen. <laughs> yes, it's with RDJ. Ooh, RDJ. RDJ is like a solo. He's like a, a violinist. Okay. Jamie Fox is a homeless man, and, and know, he plays some, the piano, and they he's do blind. Together. <laughs> I remember, I remember the trailer for that. I'm like, that looks good. I want to see that. Watch more movies. Law Abiding Citizen you saw. I, yeah. That's not a good movie, right? I thought. It's fine. Good enough. <laughs> Jarhead. Stealth. That's the one with like the AI. Stealth sucks. Plane. Jarhead's good. It looks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the trailers. I was like, that looks horrible. Yeah. Jarhead's good, though. Is it? I thought so. Isn't that with uh, um, Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, J- Gyllenhaal, yeah. yeah. Miami Vice. Dream Girls. Musical. I don't think I've seen that either. Uh, due date with RDJ. Megan with RDJ. Yeah, I didn't like that movie that much. I didn't you think it was it? as funny as with, everybody uh, else did. Is Zach Galifianakis? Yeah, I didn't see it. 
I, I haven't seen most of these. I movies. saw it once on a red box rental and nice. I wasn't impressed. Horrible bosses and horrible bosses too. I like horrible bosses a lot. I never saw the sequel. I've only seen the first one also. He's the criminal that he bootlegs yeah, he's, a movie. <laughs> yeah. He's just selling bootlegs, but he they think he's like an assassin. That's funny. It's a good movie. I need to watch that movie again. Me too. It's funny. <laughs> Movies like those that are like basically just comedies. Like once you forget the jokes and you, it's much more enjoyable. Like you can watch it again. You yeah. And then I mean? you're like, oh, that's funny. You're like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Baby Driver. That's some, have you, you haven't seen it. I yet. still need to see Baby God, Driver because I've actually it. heard a lot of good things about okay, that. Okay. Jamie Foxx is actually incredible. <laughs> Baby Driver. <laughs> he plays just like one of the like robbers, but he's like kind of unhinged and he's actually scary. Like you buy that he's scary. Oh. Robin Hood, the new Robin Hood. The one with uh, the dude from Kingsman? Yes. I haven't seen it, but I wanted to. It looked and, interesting. Uh, and Soul. He was in that Soul movie that I still haven't seen. So I haven't seen Soul either, but I have heard really good things about it. I heard it's a very uh, touching movie. Yeah, same. So he's got a couple studio albums, got a couple uh, stand-up specials. Like, he's, he's kind of a... At least he's trying to be like a do-it-all guy, right? And I appreciate that. He wants to sing, wants to act, wants to produce, wants to... Yeah. Do oh, comedy? He did Django Unchained. Oh, I forgot to write that down. Django Unchained, obviously. That's one of his biggest roles. <laughs> yes. I. Why did I write that one down? I was looking at it, too. Anyway, yeah, Django Unchained. Who made fucking, a cameo appearance in fucking great movie. Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh, did he really? It was kind of funny, actually. Don't forget that there was possibly going to be a crossover between Django Unchained and Zorro. And we every day yeah. that goes by that that doesn't happen, we're getting robbed. That'd be interesting. <laughs> look that'd be very interesting can we get like a boots on the ground tweet campaign like uh, i still want that 21 jump street men in black crossover no fuck that i want django unchained with zorro that's what i want and they just liberate people yeah they're just murdering people left and right there's a comic crossover and they're gonna make it in real life tarantino wanted it to happen <laughs> look it up and start tweeting at the movie studios because we got to make this movie happen. And get everybody you know to do it, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, uh, Jamie Foxx. Keep. He's a cool Keep. dude. He's, I like him he's a lot. cool. I will never be as cool as Jamie Foxx, but it's cool that cool people like him exist. Some of his um, music ain't great, but <laughs> keep him. Keep, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Into the Phantom Zone. This movie. Amazing. Sp- the, sorry. The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Two, what do you think? What's your what's your what's your what's the word I'm looking for? My what's verdict? Your verdict. What's your verdict? I honestly, I'm gonna keep it, and I know you're gonna disagree with me. I like a lot of stuff that's in this movie, and I personally do think that the good outweighs the bad, as far as I'm concerned. And I do feel like there are parts of this that capture the spirit of Spider-Man really well, that hasn't quite been done in live action yet, but. I just wish that we had some better writing on this movie and that they weren't rushing to create a whole universe spinning out of this movie. Berto, I, you know what? I think I agree with everything you just said. I just think that it's the opposite for me, whereas I think the bad far outweighs the good here. Okay. But I think you're right. Everything you said is correct. Not correct. I That I agree with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're... <laughs> <laughs> you're correct i'm just i'm just a little bit more forgiving on this movie than you i are, think I so guess. i you know what i think i think it is is like at the end of the day i think the biggest crime this movie commits is that it's not fun it's again it's just like a lot of time uncovering those mystery boxes that they set up it is a lot of good peter and uh gwen stuff which mm-hmm. i do appreciate but none of that is balanced 
with any good times. There's no good times in this movie. The last one had his dark moments, but like it all, it was also quippy. The action was yeah. really good. It was fun to watch. It was exciting. This one is kind of a bore for a good hour in the middle. And I'm not saying there's not good stuff. You could in there. argue that there's good times, like in the beginning with him being Spidey. There's and then that little montage, and then that's about it. That's the first 15 minutes. of the Maybe movie. Maybe like the last like two minutes of the movie too. <laughs> there's the, the thing is is that there's like a kind of overlong, boring non Spider-Man movie in the middle of this movie, and I think okay. some of that stuff can be salvaged. Like I, I don't care for all this like. You know, we're uncovering his past for what? What's the payoff? There is no payoff. You know, like we found out that he's the chosen one. That was the payoff. Yeah, sure. Again, that goes against what Spider-Man yes. is at a fundamental level, which is crazy because there's so many other things that like celebrate Spider-Man as well. It's sure, yeah. The movie's at war with itself. Yeah, it really is. All his interactions with children, he has two of them. Fantastic. And they're all great. You know what I mean? There could have been a better balance. You could have kept a lot of that Gwen Stacy stuff, and then. Put in more action beats that are fun to watch. And then you put Spider-Man on the screen. How bad is that? A Spider-Man movie should have Spider-Man in it. We've, we've talked about this with Batman where they're like, it's all the villains. They get all the screen time. And then Batman is like. That was the Batman movie I liked. Too. But it's just, he's barely in it. Batman like, Returns? He's barely in it. And the first one, he's barely in that one too. Like yeah. the Keaton ones, he's just not in those movies. And, and this is what I get here. Like it's a total mess. The cartoony bits I, I don't really like, especially like the last movie spent a lot of time developing the lizard. And yet he had one moment where we're like, all right, calm down. <laughs> but this is like this movie put a lot of time into Harry Osborn and then just kind of gave us this cartoon Green Goblin at the end. Yeah. You know, I think they did sell him as threatening, though. For sure, like he showed up and killed Spider-Man's girlfriend. I think it's a mix. But, but... It, the movie needs to be more fun if you're just going to like kill Gwen Stacy in the way that you did. And I remember that is the thing that made me not like this movie when I first watched it. Because I said, it's way too down. It's bleak. It's such a downer. It's pretending to be lighter in tone than the last one. But that's just pretend. You know what I mean? It could have been more fun in more organic ways. And it's not. And I think... Maybe he was trying to do the whole like uh, Empire Strikes Back thing. <laughs> yes. I think this movie could have been made better retroactively with a much better Amazing Spider-Man 3. Yeah. You know, I think you start that movie off with that deleted scene, basically. And then you do some other stuff. And yeah, the presence of Gwen Stacy is going to be with him forever. Like that decision, or not that decision, like that, you know. Well, I mean, he also kind of like went and put I love you on the fucking bridge. Like, what do you think was going to happen? He's not going to follow you? Like, it's cute. He, made, he did kind of make a decision to like get her on board, right? Right. But that decision for her to be there is going to live with him forever. And since we never got any other movies, like, we don't get to see any of that. No. So I really hope, because I'm going to put this in the Phantom Zone, right? Okay. Because I'm just overall like, look, I'm probably not going to watch it again. I think if No Way Home, again, if we have a nice touching scene where the three Peters get to, like, sit and talk about their lives, their universes, and what they did, they're, maybe they're giving advice to the youngest Peter Parker here, who's about to, like, face his biggest challenge ever based on their experiences, obviously Andrew Garfield has gone through the most, like, trauma, right? Yeah. By far. He probably has the worst life out of all three yeah. of them. I think you could write a scene in there that could maybe make me like some of this stuff more. You know, give that character proper closure, not like, here's a deleted scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and that could work on some level. And I really hope No Way Home does that. You know, one scene, cap off Toby's universe, cap off Andrew Garfield's universe, and just kind of like all work together in tandem. I think that could really work, and it can make this movie a little bit better. But for the most part, nah, it doesn't work for me. I really hope he's the one that saves MJ falling off the Statue of Liberty. I maybe I kind of hope he doesn't because they like don't even know each other. But like maybe I think yeah. it'd be like a nice redemption. Yeah, like he did it. Yeah, you know? he's like he he's not about to let this happen to another Peter. Yeah, and, and if it is what they do, then like I'd be fine. With, everyone I'd, I'd saw like that it. coming. Like everybody right. saw that coming. No, people are already calling it. Yeah. yeah. So guys, that's pretty much it for us. Ah. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks to that piano dude for our musical intro. Uh, Guys, make sure you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service that you're allowed to do that in. Uh, And make sure you tell a friend. If you haven't told a friend, thank you for telling a friend. You can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. And you can find us on Twitter. If you want to argue with us, you can do it on Twitter. Films from PZ. Uh, We will at you right back bitch uh, <laughs> we're also on tiktok at films from pz a lot of people start debating on tiktok which is fun yes it's fun to watch um you want to piss people off on tiktok make an audiogram saying that this movie's better than spider-man 2 challenge accepted uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll um, piss everybody off listen uh, all these episodes are available on youtube if that's how you like listening to your podcasts just throw up a chrome browser while you're working from home hey you can do that. We're on there. Also, all these episodes are live streamed on Twitch when we record them. So if you enjoy the show, you want to be a part of the show, you want to hang out with us, uh, you can do that. We're on twitch.tv slash PZ every Monday night. Most Monday nights. I take that way back. I want to backpedal real hard. Most Monday nights. Especially this month. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's it's the holidays. It's the holiday season. Uh, it's the holiday season, so it's tough. And it's the Spider-Man season. It's the Spider-Man season. So, <laughs> uh, it can be tough, but hey, we're here a lot of Mondays. We usually put out when we're going to be live. Um, we got people in the chat this week. Philly the J says, This was so much fun. I can't wait for next week's show. Hey, man, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We've just been back and forth with him and a couple other people in the chat. If you guys want to do that, hang out with us, come on Twitch. It's a great time. Uh, we might be doing some video game stuff too, just to kind of hang out on Twitch mm, a just little for bit fun. longer. Just for funsies. If you want to support the show, uh, we're on Patreon. Uh, we're still trying to figure that out. I think if we can get a nice little community, we can do some some community events, hang out, maybe play some games, yeah. uh, just do some stuff. Other than that, I think that's it. Uh, we will see you next week, Birdo. What what movie are we doing? We don't have one planned out. I don't think we have one yet. Shit. We don't have our next movie planned out, actually. I know we're definitely going to do an episode on no way home when that comes out okay okay so let's not make any promises we can't keep we don't have a movie picked out yet however upcoming is going to be a spider-man no way home review yes that's a big deal we're also going into the new we're going to have a christmas special our second annual christmas special and then (laughs) i think what we'll be doing in the beginning of next year is having a phantom zone awards i think we're going to go go down our list all the movies we did this year we started in October of last year, so we've got a little bit more than one year's worth of episodes. This is our 32nd episode. So we have 32 movies, and we can assign awards based on, like, hey, this is our favorite vehicle, our favorite costume, worst performance. Most referenced. Most referenced. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Trevor Slattery's coming close second, man. Let me tell you. Oh. <laughs> and so is I think you should leave. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to have Sable moderate that also. Okay. So look forward to those episodes. It's going to be a good time. Then by sometime in January, we will come back with the next failed and forgotten comic book movie. Yes. How's that? Sound good? What if we started doing games from the Phantom Zone? Okay. You, There's you, a lot of bad comic God. book games. Damn there's, it, Birdo. There's a, there's a lot. You ruined my surprise. Wait, is that a thing? No, but I, I do want to do the PS4 Spider-Man game. Because that is... That's a good That's basically game. a movie. Yeah. I think what I want to do is by the time I finish the game, then we can just treat it like a movie. I think that'd be a fun thing. Okay. Let's do that. You're going to have to remember everything that happened in the game. No, you just, I'm going to have to replay the game. No, you just, we'll just sit and watch the cutscenes. Ah, you had the full experience. No, God, this is going to take so long. <laughs> I can do it in two days. Oh, my God. All right, guys. <laughs> he doesn't have a life. All right, guys. Thank you, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.